G'day boys, how you going? Yeah, good chief. Good Hi. afternoon. Chris, Cam, you good? Very good. Excellent. Uh, well, today we've got someone special, uh, a guest. We don't do this often, but uh, we have Rita Dinola, Chris's wife here with us. Welcome, Rita. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm well. Thanks for having me here on the podcast. Thank you very much for making the time because, I mean, I understand it's always about sacrificing a bit of your time and work to be here. So I appreciate you making the time for us. Thank you. Okay, boys, let's uh, let's dig in first because since we have a guest, we're going to have to start with the wine, all right? So Absolutely. Let's, let's have a look. Uh, which wine have we got today? Um, which one do you want to stick with? We've got a looks like Little Giant is not bad. Shiraz. Cab. Yeah, that's a cab. We've got two Shirazes and a cab. All right, we're going to start with mine first. John Duval Wines. Because we're doing these kind of wine and wisdom podcasts, I've actually got quite a few people now who want to share with me some good wines. And this one was Alexander and, and Dom, his friend, who tried this before. So I did a little bit of research before I went out there to Dan Murphy to buy this one. It wasn't the bottle I, I was after, but mm -hmm. they ran out of the other bottle, so we're going to have to do it some other time. John Duval now runs his own winery in the uh, Barossa Valley. Between 1986 to 2002, he was actually the chef sommelier for Penfolds, in charge of Grange. Oh, wow. The section for St. Henry, anything that is high-class wine, he was in charge of that. And in 2002, he thought, oh, I need to take on another challenge now. Alex said to me, the Shiraz that they have, which is the entity Shiraz, and they have, like, different collections, is, like, out of this world, he says. And actually, his wines are in the top 25 in Australia. This one here is 2017, a blend of Shiraz, Grenache, and Mourvedre. So Shiraz, we all know, but Grenache and Mourvedre are two grapes that are from Spain that should give us a lot of spice in, in, in this Shiraz. Okay, so let's try this. Do first, it. First for Rita. Thank you. Chris has finally got someone here who can defend his honour, mate. <laughs> Brought in the reinforcements. <laughs> oh, mate. It's good to have Boss Lady here, actually. So Hopefully she's got something she believes in and just doesn't sit on a fence mate, She believes mate. she married the right man. That's what she believes, <laughs> mate. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Cheers. And lady. Cheers. Cheers. That's nice. Oh, dear. That is, that is very nice. Wow. Well, looks like John Duval and I, we are going to become good friends. <laughs> <laughs> we've sta we've started off strong. What region is it from, Thomas? What region? So, Barossa Valley. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, dig into this week's discussion. The reason yeah. I wanted Rita to be here is, and why don't you just introduce yourself? That'd be easier. Sure. Thank you. And thanks again for having me here. It's quite unusual to be sitting here and recording a podcast rather than on the other side and listening to you three boys speak. So Laughing thank you so much. <laughs> so with 18 years experience in HR management, I'm yep. currently working for Accor Hotels. Yep. I've been in the role for eight months, previous experience in hospitality and also in the ed tertiary education sector. Right human resources. Okay. So tell me, how is it going over there? Very interesting times indeed. Yeah. March with COVID, yeah. we've had a lot of change. You know, with me and my role, first and foremost, I've had to reduce days. Right. Uh, so the exec team have reduced days. We've had to have a look at our workforce yep. and determine how best to move forward with yep. COVID. We currently have a number of staff stood down. As you probably know, in the hospitality industry, we have a lot of employees who are on visas. Yes. For those employees, they don't receive JobKeeper nor JobSeeker. So they're in a very difficult financial situation. What's a percentage of staff you let go? So right now we have let go of about 30% of our staff, wow. mainly casuals. 
Wow. Those that have been employed for less than a year, gone. Okay, gone or they uh, on standby somewhere waiting for you to call them back? Gone. So this is the group that were let go. Okay. So it means that when you guys are about to start, it's going to be a full interview and introductory session with people. We do again, have like a group on stand down. Oh, I see. Yes, and we have already had a number of staff come back on reduced hours and days, which is great to hear. We stu- still have about 25% to 30% of our team stood down. Okay. What does that equate to in numbers? As in individuals? Numbers. So right now we have about 60. Yeah, wow. Across the precinct that has still stood down. So when you yeah. say across the precinct, that's three hotels. Correct. So that's a total Pullman, of how many rooms? So Pullman, Ibis and um, the Novotel yep. and it's a total of 765 rooms. Okay. And out of that, at a full time, what would, would you be carrying staff-wise? If it was full capacity, yep. what would staff be? Yeah, 260. Okay. And so now, we started so, with 260. And at the moment, who? what's currently employed at the moment? Currently employed at the moment, we're sitting on just under 100. Okay, so less, way less than half of your staff yeah. have either been stood down altogether yep. or on JobKeeper or whichever way you want to look at it. Yep, stood, and, stood uh, down without any JobKeeper, right? So under the Fair Work Act. And from what I understand, the hotels themselves have also adjusted the way they're doing things. So they've combined the staff. Do you want to tell us a bit of how they uh, No, that? no, we're going too fast. Okay, we're sorry. Going too yep, fast. Okay. So do you want to take us through that day, the decisions, the emotions in the people? Because I, I think that these are the things that people need to really get. From the outside, we did a podcast on that day. Cam and I, we walked around some restaurant. We saw people being put out in a show that is as large as this. What happened? How d- distraught were they? I, look, I think we were fortunate that there was a lot of pre-planning that right. went on before the day. And we have a really wonderful culture with our people at a call. So sitting down on that day was so difficult and you never know what you're going to get. You never know what the other person's reaction is going to be. Right. And I think the most, the more humble, sincere and honest you can be when you have that really difficult conversation with someone, not so much the better they're going to take it, the more sincere they're going to be with you, right, and the more appreciative they're going to be of hearing the truth and not beating around what needs to be said. Yep. So we had three difficult days in a row. It took us three days to get through the cohort that we had to stand down. How much notice did you have as employers? Because the day Thomas and I were walking around, those guys had only had 24 hours. The government came out on the Sunday and said you're gone by Monday at midday. So yeah. did you guys have a, a couple of weeks before we did. You, had to, you didn't have to chop Within that 24 we did, hours? We now. did have a couple of weeks, yes, and that first round of discussions was consultation. It wasn't decision. It was consultation. This is what we potentially will be doing. Oh, so so it wasn't the government telling you. It was you guys had already preempted that it was going to happen. No, this was as a result of the government's first announcement, and that was that food and beverage outlets would be closed. Yes. Bars would be closed. And that pretty much closed all of our food and beverage operation. Oh, so that's when you sat down with them first and they, 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 right. they, they were laid off two weeks after. Correct. Okay, so a lot of places that happened the same day. Yeah. Remember, mate, yeah, when we were we went around midday, day. yeah. So we, so how did you handle that two or three weeks? Because I know we had the same thing where announcement had been made but we didn't know what it meant for the business at that stage and there was talk of JobKeeper and all that stuff going around, but we had three weeks where us and the staff really had no clue what it was going to look like, and I'm sure you guys were in the same similar position. Exactly so the same. How did you handle those conversations? Because there's nothing worse 
as an owner and an employer and as a manager, people coming to you with questions and having no answer for them. Exactly. Um, I know it, exactly. You know, it was it was really hard for us. Yeah. Um, I took it quite personally. But how did you guys? And, and I think first and foremost, we sat down and talked about open communication with the team. We know it's very unsettling to hear what we've heard from the government. We know there's going to be some impacts. We're working through what they may be. And when we know, we will sit down <coughs> with you and have a chat. So we had an open town hall. Myself and the GM sat at the front with the team. The team was invited. We had two sessions, a morning session, afternoon session. Yeah. We opened up with talking about the business, the government, COVID, where we're at. What does that mean for us? We don't have answers right now. There are going to be some changes. And then we opened it up to the floor for questions and feedback. Okay. How was that very taken vulnerable, as a whole? Yeah, Very yeah. vulnerable position to be put in and allow your team to open up and share how mm. they're feeling and any questions right at the start of a pandemic when really we all didn't know what was going to come of this. Had you ever been in a position before where you'd had to consider mass layoffs and had to give that chat? Is that something you were experienced in or was it, is it a first-timer? Not to this degree. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem with a lot of people. We're all sort of virgins in that. And it's also happening a la minute. We really don't know what's going to happen next. And there have been so many changes that have occurred since that initial COVID-19 announcement, right? Sometimes the amount of change that's happened on, and at one stage it was on a daily basis, we'd have announcement after announcement. It almost stops you wanting not to communicate or be open and transparent, but it was hard to be in a situation where what you said on Tuesday didn't mean shit on a Wednesday because everything right had decision. changed again. Right. So yeah. sometimes you sit there and go, oh, maybe we shouldn't talk about that just yet because it may change tomorrow, but we're all feeling the same panic, staff and employers at the same time. So yep. yeah, it was a and, really... And I think the difficulty when things are happening so fast-paced is that we need to take a breath and think about what's happening. Take the time. Don't make rash decisions and don't have quick conversations with people that are not thought of and pre-prepped and understood. Yeah, which was very hard to do when everything was changing on a daily basis. And people are panicking. Yeah, we didn't So make they're coming decisions. to us with that panic yeah. and asking critical questions yeah. of us at a time when if if we haven't pre-prepped and we're planned and we know what we need to communicate, it's best not to communicate right. about it at that time. So I had a lot of conversations with staff around right now, we don't have the answers. Mm. We don't have the answers. We are looking to get some further information and come back to you. And when we do have answers, we will be communicating further with you. But these are all great questions. And we would note the questions with our teams. Right. Those decisions on you know staff to stand down, who you're letting go and so forth, they weren't made overnight. You took your time. But were they led by the, like, by the sites individually or were you led by head office? I believe it's in France, is that right? So were you led by head office and then they were delivering that to the world what was the process on that sort of decision making? So we were led by our CEO in Australia, New Zealand. So here, based here in Australia. And our corporate team, which is a regional team, actually consulted with each of the individual businesses. So for our precinct, we were able to put forward our workforce planning and our strategy and who who it would affect, right? Because initially, it was pretty straightforward. It was the food and beverage. Anybody that worked in food and beverage could legally be stood down based on the restrictions provided by the government. So we enacted the stood down measures under the Fair Work Act at that time. 
Uh, that was stage one for us. Yeah, right. What about negativity? Did you have any backlash? People angry, <sighs> people making threats? Oh. Because obviously they knew you emailed, they knew how to get to you too. Did you... Yeah, uh, look, I, I think you are in shock. You, you are feeling uncertain. And I think first and foremost, as a leader of the department and the precinct in HR, I had to get my shit together quite quickly, yeah. right? Before you could even communicate with people because people can feel it. If you're unsteady, if you're not sure, if you're not quite clear, they get that tone and, and that feeling from you straight away. So I had to make sure that one, I was across what I was communicating that we were working as a team with the ex the executive team. So we would have regular meetings where we would talk about what are the questions coming from staff, how are we going to answer them in unison. We all need to now band together closer than we ever did. Did I get any backlash from the team? Look, <clears throat> fear. Uh, I didn't really get any threats or anything like that, Thomas. Okay. Um, you know, again, the culture is just so lovely. I think, if anything, being new in my position when it all went down, I was still, I'd started in October with a core and this all went down in late March. Yeah. Um, you know, still didn't know the entire team. For a lot of the team, I was still developing connection and rapport. So I had to develop connection and rapport while delivering and having really tough conversations with people about their livelihood. Yeah. And, and, and the hotel in terms of vacancy, how low did it go? No vacancies. No, all the vacancies were closed out when COVID hit. Right. So we were no longer recruiting at all. It was all about filling any essential positions with our in-house people. As far as <coughs> guess, guess at the hotel. Yeah. The rooms, oh, guess. The oh, rooms. okay. So probably easier to talk about occupancy. Yeah. Occupancy at occupancy. the hotel. I'm sorry, we not. <laughs> yes, we real estate. <laughs> I'm privy to the inside talk, mate. So that's good. Yes, occupancy hit rock bottom. What it yeah. went, I believe it went and down to like five, four or five percent at some stages. That's right. That's right. And look, we are a precinct at Sydney Olympic Park that relies on events and concerts. The last concert at Sydney Olympic Park was Elton John. So since then with COVID and the borders closing, we're in a position where we are entertaining now patrons in our restaurant at Pullman, but without an occupancy and without being able to forecast an occupancy based on events and concerts, we're really struggling to foresee mm. that occupancy coming in. So we had a really high week last week we had an NRL team in. Yep. We had an AFL team in, Collingwood. And we also had Warner Brothers do some filming for The Bachelor. But, you know, again, this <laughs> wasn't... <Sorry>. This, <laughs> this wasn't... Collingwood you know, this bachelor. wasn't pre-scheduled <laughs> a few months ago when we were planning for this occupancy. Mm. This is last minute. We're now operating last minute mode. But can I ask you, what I was saying before, is that you've reduced the three hotels to one hotel. Is that still the case? So we... we have all three hotels open yep. and and um, operational. We are at the moment upgrading our guests from Novotel and Ibis over to the Pullman while the occupancy remains low. Which is a smart business move, obviously, because your staff is centrally located at the one hotel. Exactly. So that will predict the labour force as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the, within the culture of um, a core, which is the group, they have a, um, I believe you actually had to go to training for a cultural alignment 
for them, which sort of leads into how they care for their staff. Do you want to share us the name and so forth with that? Yeah. Um, I've never experienced anything like it in my HR career or even my working career. They have an amazing culture and values program called Hardest. And on your first day, you're required to attend Hardest. It's a full day. And it is a program that talks about the history of a core and the business. It talks about the values of a core and then four key areas that are paramount to us as employees of a core. The first one being around belonging and how we create belonging with our people. The second one around stories and building great connection through stories with our people and people meaning our guests and also our fellow colleagues. The third being we all make mistakes. How do we turn around a mistake with someone? Speak for yourself, mate. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk more about that, Ken. (laughs) And the fourth around our values and our guest service with our teams. So it's really powerful. It was a big group when I did my culture and values training. In the room, there would have been 60 other staff in the team um, from around the Australian hotels. And we got to know people on a on a very one-on-one level, um, connected, hear their stories, and you walk out feeling like you've met your new family. Yeah. It's a lovely feeling. Um, You know, from there, being one of the executives and the lead in HR, I need to find a way to embrace and make that culture and values my own because I am then leading that culture with our teams in the precinct. So you've got to let go and stood down. There's 160-odd people. Is there any program in place to keep uh, contact with the, the people yes, who have stood there down? Yes, certainly What's, is. What are you doing around yeah, that? Look, I call it a, a welfare type of program. Each week managers are required to contact their teams mm-hmm. and have a welfare check check in on how they're going, provide a business update in the department and make sure that the team feel that they're still valued, part of our team. Although they're stood down, they're still our employees. I also each week call a department, a team. Um, I'm very fortunate. I've started a staff newsletter. It was all centred around the personal stories of our teams. So, And I think at this time that is so critical it's so critical to engage with our teams on a much deeper level. Um, and I'll talk about why as we go through the podcast. But, you know, stories like share your pet story, share your favourite recipe, share your hobby, share your greatest adventure. One that I really like, share, share your childhood story. Go to your photo album and pick a photo from when you were a child. I and, like it. And mm. tell us about that story and why it's special to you. And gee, there are so many photos in our photo albums. To be able to do that and hear someone's special story is amazing. So with them stood down without pay, are they able? Are they eligible for job uh, seeker at all? Are they getting any? So those without pay, predominantly those on a visa. Um, a core has developed a really special fund called a Hardest Fund. Uh, the owner over in Paris, uh, Sebastian Bazin, has actually spoken to shareholders and they've agreed to put together a fund of $70 million 
to help employees who are suffering from hardship in terms of shelter, food or financial hardship. And so we have... um, This fund has now been going for about six weeks. We have been on connecting with our people, asking them, you know, how do you ask someone, how are you doing financially? Do you have kids? Do you need some help? Are you able to eat? Can you buy groceries? Where are you living? And these are people predominantly who are on a visa who usually travel to Australia alone without their families. And so we've been fortunate to put to lodge a number of applications for the hardest fund for our people and that's so touching. It's so moving when someone shares with you their rawness, mm. their vulnerabilities and we're able to help them. And I, you know, I along with the executive team feel that we have now developed such bonds with our people. You know, who'd have thought in amidst this COVID-19 pandemic You know, what I can say is an amazing opportunity that's come from it is getting to know people. Back to basics. She's actually more eloquent than the three of us. I knew that. I could have told you that. I'm very sorry, boys. (laughs) She's not material for wine and wisdom. (laughs) More wisdom is wisdom. Yeah. Listen, I I just also want to ask you. Now, a few weeks into COVID, the government's now decided that we're going to quarantine people flying back. So obviously, again, you your hotels now could be involved because first they were going to do the city ones before they did yours. Did you have to recall staff? Did you have to prepare things? What's going on? Gee, let me tell you, there's a story there, Thomas. So when we heard there were going to be quarantine yeah. uh, guests, um, we didn't receive a lot of notice. And, you know, this goes back to notice, Cameron. We were told the night before, it was a Friday night, I'm in the office on Saturday doing some critical work. We're all rounded up, regardless of whether you're operational or not. We're rounded up. And there we were getting the hotel, Novotel and Ibis, back to operation along with Pullman. And I was saying to Chris, my job... And Where he's, was Chris? He's he was laughing. drunk on the couch somewhere. <laughs> he's laughing. My <laughs> job was to go into every room with the tiniest screwdriver and open up the back of remote controls and put the batteries back in the cover and then screw in these <laughs> tiny little screws back into the back of the remotes. Wow. So that was job number one, critical. Get the rooms back up and operational. Remotes mm. back open. Yeah. The mini bars repacked. The fridges switched on. Like we had powered down the hotel to save on costs, right, utilities. We've had to power it back up. So, no, we didn't get the first round of ISO guests. So now we potentially, with Victoria and the outbreak, we might see some ISO guests. We're ready. We are ready to go. The remotes will be fully operational. (coughs) People will be able to watch TV. Let me tell you, I look at remotes very differently these (laughs) days. I go straight to the screws. (laughs) Oh, well, what do you think of the wine, boys? And lady, I'm sorry. How it's good. unbelievable. Oh. Huh? It's nicely structured, isn't it? It's oh. got structure. Mm. It's, it's got very smooth. Uh, it's yeah, mine's going to be all wet down. 
No, but, but this is a conversation I had with you when you drove me here. We try to have at least some kind of healthy competition because I think to do the best we can and, and go out there and do research, like I researched this company and this guy last night before I, I, I went to Hornsby today because I had a meeting this morning in Hornsby. So I thought I'm going to go to Dan Murphy, but I knew exactly what I was after. Mm. And it's important. One of the things that we are looking at doing now, and it, we, we talked about it, is for our own health. We probably are going to change one wisdom, uh, one bottle each, to now each time we do it, it's a $100 bottle, but it's one bottle. One bottle. So, so Which means that you know, we, we actually get to taste you know, some good bottles. And if we keep building on this, maybe we'll get to a grand bottle at some stage. That would be nice. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> I love the, doing this kind of research. Mm. And people who are like this are special people we have to get to know and share with people. Mm. You know, uh, John Duval, uh, his son now is in the business. There's no, no doubt about him. Whatever he's doing from a smallest bottle, uh, 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 even a white, it's everything structured. Everything has got techniques, you know. Mm. Yeah, highly skilled. Yeah, love it. It is a good wine, but we're not running a sustainable business model here, guys. Drinking three bottles. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I think so both I our think bottles are going to let be a letdown after this one. <laughs> it's good to start. It's funny, Thomas. You were telling us the other day that in France they start with the worst wine and finish with the best. Is that right? No, they they go with the dish. Oh, okay. Where did you say they start? So, with so the they worst? go with the dish, and nice. they and quite often the. Because the best dish is right at the end, the best, best bottles come up. Uh-huh. You know mm-hmm. that that's what it is, and so you have to be able to control yourself until the end. You yeah. have to know how to. Every bottle's the best at the end. <laughs> well, that's over here, but uh, n- not when you're over there. Yeah, the best stuff first. So let's keep on going here now. Now we're having an, another issue. Apparently, people don't want to go back to work. Yes. A- apparently, the job keeper is so so good that some people are saying, "I don't want to go back to work. I'll I I'd rather be on that thing, and I'd rather have the government pay me for me not to work." Do you find that? Are you starting to now recall people, and do you hear of your people saying, "No, I I I'd rather not come. I'd rather have another few weeks off." A very very interesting question, Thomas. Right. And there there's a mixture of responses we're receiving. So we have actually opened up our housekeeping roles to other areas of the business. So we've asked our food and beverage and our front office to consider coming back in housekeeping. Now, they're not trained in housekeeping. They've never done housekeeping before. So this is in a different area of the business. Can you force someone to come back to a different role without experience and skill? No. So we have had a few staff that have said, one staff member said, oh, look, I think I need to speak to my parents about this opportunity and come back to you and has come back, no. The other has come back and said, no, I really don't want to work in housekeeping, so no, I, I'm not going to come back. So that's one scenario. It's understandable. Uh, so so that's a scenario where one they don't, don't scenario. want to downgrade in terms of duties. Well, change. Well, they, they want a to change. be general manager. It's a change, right? <laughs> well, they're in food and beverage right. or they're in front office, right? And yep. this is all we have available for you at this time. Yep. And we explain to them we don't know when or if there'll be some hours for you. So ideally they want to be unemployed rather than come down and change sheets and clean rooms. They're not unemployed are though, the people, Chris. Are the are they? people? They're still employed. Are they on job keeper? They're on job okay. keeper right. or they're stood down without pay, right? So these so ones so are still anyone employed. That, someone that stood down without pay, are they refusing to come back? Or is it the people on JobKeeper? Well, it's interesting. Let's go to the other scenario. We're going to ring our staff to come back to the roles that they usually do. Okay, and that's yep. predominantly happened in food and beverage, mm-hmm. right? So we've called our staff 
come back. These are the shifts available. You won't be receiving the shifts you had before. You were full-time? Mm. Great. Right now we only have two shifts available and there's no guarantee you'll receive those two shifts each week. Mm. We only have those two shifts available at this time in this following week. So this is your consult. Would you like to come back or not? I've had staff who have said, yep, great, I'm coming back. I've had others say to me, oh, I don't know. What happens if I don't come back, Rita? I said, there are a number of staff stood down just like you. There may not be another opportunity for you to come back to our meaningful roster. Yeah, but are they getting JobKeeper? Some are getting JobKeeper, yes. That's the question. That's Yes. And so well, I've also had the question, well, I'm on JobKeeper. I actually still get paid to stay at home. Mm. Why should I come back? Mm. Which is where we're heading. Okay, so let me answer that, that question. A, I mean, I mean, some, some why say, should I come back? Some are saying, I don't want to come back. I, I got a job with Wiseberry. I'm going to be in sales now and become a zillionaire. So that's another yeah. thing. You probably didn't know, but we wanted to let you know first. <laughs> So I put a post on the page the other day. It was a headline from The Australian and it's, it was one of the rare times recently that we've read a newspaper headline that actually made a little bit of sense yeah, and only through personal experience. We were recruiting very heavily prior to March or we were recruiting very heavily into the first week of March and we had a job ad on Seek that had 195 applications. That's incredible. Uh, how, long, how long was that ad running for, Cam? A month. So in a month you had 194 applications. Oh, I reckon most of them within two weeks. We got wow. Yeah, but hold well. on. Hang 119 on. applicants, but how many actually had the experience yeah, and the skills? That's yeah, not the not point. point, though. We had just people looking on. for a job. Just wait. I know you want to rebut me, so just wait. <laughs> okay, let me get my she point She is a out. Denola, mate. She's yeah, a Yeah, that's all right. Remember. I look forward to talking to a Denola who's <laughs> got a passionate stance about something. Shut up. <laughs> So this time around, he's on now. He's on with we, the world coming. We haven't finished the first with the time. world coming to an end and unemployment getting to all time highs and the recession that we're going to go into. We put a job ad out because we're ready to go back to full time work. Eight applications. So what are we? What are we talking difference here? One hundred eighty seven difference. I've had. I had to make. You know, we've spoken about this in the podcast. We had to make the agonising decision in our business because we didn't qualify for JobKeeper to reduce hours of some of the, st- of the staff and reduce wages to go along with it. But we were very proud at the time of the fact that we were able to do it in such a way that even though we weren't getting JobKeeper, they were eligible for some government assistance, which meant that their loss in wage was minimal. We were in a situation where we've said, righto, guys, we need you to come back full-time. One person have and two have flat-out refused. One of those people is no longer with the business, said, I'm not coming back to do the same role. Unless you're going to change my role, Mm. I'm not coming back. Change it to what? I'm not coming back to Prospect was the, oh, you're employed to Prospect. That's your job. So here we are, you know, and I shared tears and and, and there was a few people around me at that time we were making that decision. You know, that hammered me for a couple of weeks. We were part of that. We saw it, yeah. Having to do that to the staff and then we say, righto, guys, great news. Not only have we survived this shit and been able to keep the doors open, not only have you guys been able to keep food on the table and keep paying your bills, but... Business is going strong. Let's get back into it. Here's your full wage back. Oh, um, yeah, about that. No, because I've been able to sit at home and do 15 hours a week work and get paid the same money. So then couple that with eight applications out instead of 200 and then a, and then a headline on the uh, Australian. Australian that yeah. says, are people choosing the doll over work? 
mate. It's not looking good, right? It was it was something that I didn't think it happened. You know, my my uh, business partner said to me, when we get people to reduce their hours, make sure the bit of paper says when you're required to come back full time, you have to come back full time. And I said to him, mate, ah, oh, don't worry about it, mate. They'll do that. We don't have those type of people in our business. Well, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Um, and it, and it, I'll guarantee it's happening everywhere. People yeah. who can get to sit at home for seven hundred and fifty dollars yeah. a week at the moment. I don't know whether it's location wise or, or demographic wise of, of the community as a whole, but yeah. um, he's the leader. Yeah, could possibly be the leader. <laughs> but that's a, that's a subject for a different day. <laughs> that's true. And, you know, and and the problems we're having. You know, we're talking to people who are advising us on what we can do in certain situations. They said, "Guys, join the queue. It is happening everywhere." Yeah. And then you think, oh, is it happening everywhere? And then you read that people are seeing an 80% decrease in, in job applicants. You've got to start joining the dots. And if the government's handing a lot of people out money to stay at home and not work and keep their job, there's been no protection put in place for employers in that scenario. There's no leg to stand on with someone refusing to come back to work, as we've found. So, yeah, are people choosing the dole instead of work? You're, Rudy, you're talking about people who are on visas who aren't, in, aren't eligible for any government assistance. That's right. Right, so... I'm not going there. That's yeah. not. I'm talking about people who, you know, the, the employers have had to go through the the ringer of shit. We're going to have to take food off these people's table, and it's yeah. horrible. And then offer them full time employment back. Nah, the beach is cool, even though it's winter. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. So, how do you rationalise with an employee to come back to work? One of the things we say to our staff is. It is actually valuable to you to be on the meaningful roster. Because like, it is I like a meaning, very I like meaningful. It is oh, they've got all the good words. Very, <laughs> it me. is a very streamlined Since when a, roster. a roster is meaningful. <laughs> Once you're on the roster, you have the prospect of gaining further shifts. There's oh. no guarantee, but you have that opportunity. Also, you are paid superannuation when you're at work. There's no super when you're at home on JobKeeper. We're, right? we're offering people their full rollback though. There's no you're on a meaningful roster and you may be looked at in the future to go back to your full job. Yes. You, this is here's the job you were doing two and a half months ago. And here are some <laughs> critical, critical points of understanding of your people that you would never probably ever have been exposed to yeah, right. outside of the situation that we're in, right? Showing people's true colours. So here, showing, yeah? showing true colours yeah. and really getting an understanding of their level of integrity and respect, work ethic, right, and true meaning, right? There are different reasons for people not coming back to work, right? So those people on the meaningful roster would have all those characteristics characteristics right well they're back right they're back and they're not and you know what we've done with our meaningful roster they weren't getting is, paid oh no a lot of them were still receiving job keeper right they were still receiving job keeper but what we've said to these people is you're coming back the world has changed the world at work has changed yeah when you come back to work in front office get ready you will be doing in room service mm. you will be doing food and beverage if help's required over in food and beverage. Mate, we had someone bring their work contract into work and go, this is what you employed me for. And not only had they done everything on that list in their job description, they couldn't find the part in the contract that said, worldwide pandemic, everything's going to change. 
but wanted to complete and just flat out refused. If you're still going to make me do the job you employed me for, I'm not coming back to work. Yeah, very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, think- I, I personally think it's a great thing. Because when COVID's going to finish, yeah. ho- hopefully it's not the swine flu now because apparently that's a new thing. G4. And <laughs> hopefully there's nothing else. I would love to have, because these people here, when you put a tattoo on yourself, it's for life. Unless you scrape yeah. it against some wall, like t- something like 12 <laughs> feet up there. Up there. <laughs> Otherwise it's for life. <laughs> I, I, I Thomas is referring to our friend Cameron. Tattoo removal program. <laughs> Drink 42 <laughs> bintangs and jump off a 16-foot wall. The tattoos aren't Too much life, information, huh? Cam. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, anyway. I would love to be interviewing these people in the future and ask them, what did you do during COVID? Oh, well, you know, I, uh, I, I got offered to come back full-time, but I refused. Oh, really? Because that kind of tattoo wouldn't go away. That tells me straight away the value of that person. The value of that person is laziness themselves and has no sense of meaningful hardest work. Right? I think it's fantastic because these kind of tattoos, you can see it. Even if they're lying to you, you look at them in their face, their eyes going to blink for a, a half a second, you know they're lying. Okay, and so yeah. it's fantastic thing. Mm. Let these guys be tattooed because w- when they're gonna find out that there's no advancement into a bigger league, that now you may have to go into really way lower league than what you used to have. It's all you're doing. So let's not be sad about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not sad. It's just a- analyzing the cream that always rises to the top, right? We're analyzing that behavior. So do we think that's a problem as a whole? If you what I've the, experienced with job applications, yeah, it is. is in a macro yeah. sense across the whole yeah. state or country, because that's what the article was saying, it's everywhere. Is it because the government's paying people too much on money? The onset, on the onset of JobKeeper, JobSeeker, the government actually stated that they were worried about having people long-term unemployment or being on benefits for too long because it then does compound the fact of that laziness, mm-hmm. for want of a better word, factor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is going to continue. I think... As we said, those who want to work will reach out, seek, and go to work regardless of their situation. Mm. And those who want to take advantage of the situation will. I went to a listing appointment last week. The son was at home, showed us through the house before the mum was available. Mum come home. I was having a chat with him. He was on Job Seeker. I said, so what do you have to do while you're on Job Seeker? Nothing. I go, do you have to go for interviews? There's no, we get a one phone call every month for mm. about a minute, maybe two minutes. Once that phone call's over, you've met your requirements because they're just finding out what you're doing to find work and that's it. Mm. I said, so are you looking for work? He goes, no. I said, so what do you want to do? He goes, oh, I don't know. And that is going to be, I think, a, a, a long sort of um, long-winded effect from what's happened with mm. offering all these handouts. I think uh, you kind of look forward to the... Thomas, that question just posed when you're interviewing there. So, what did you do for the That's last three exactly months? That's exactly right. Just mate. watch. That'd yeah. be the first thing you ask, wouldn't it? Yeah. Do you do that in a phone interview, or do you let them come in to ask them? Uh, I let them come in because I think the the face won't lie. Uh, uh, and yeah. You'll pick That's it up. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, and this is where it's so so stupid from these people because they look for short term. Now, to answer your question about JobKeeper, I personally think that the government said it would be for a period of six months, which means in two months, stop it. Because mm. then we're going to have an influx of those guys looking for a job again, mm. right? You have now the scaremongrel who are saying, well, you know, if you stop, it's going to crash because we have this, we mm. have... No, it's not going to crash. And if it's crashing, it's fantastic. Yep. I, I always... <laughs> 
Be- because because it's probably the law of the fittest. The sur- you know, survival of the yes, you, you, you have to Natural understand there's too many little businesses that are, first of all, not paying tax. Who, by the way, you just got conned into JobKeeper because now with JobKeeper, the taxation office knows your number. And so they're going to look at all this. But let's have a look at, it's not just the employees, guys. I, I know we always look at the employees, but what about the employers? The number of employers who have actually put their staff on JobKeeper, asked them to work full-time, just on JobKeeper money. That's also happening. Yep, well, that's wrong. So it's not every day that you see a business like yours where, where you work for, there's there's values and, and there's enormous, I mean, you said the, the, the four pillars. Yeah. But what what are the top values that uh, a core lives by? Yeah, so respect. Right. Trust. Yep. Guest service. But guest service is one of the four pillars that yes. you have, isn't it? So guest service is also value. Wow, okay. Loyalty. Okay. That's a good question. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a good question. Yeah. Okay, well. They're hiring, you know, mate, I, are they? <laughs> I, I, see, I see it all the time. I see it day in and day out from our regional office. Yeah. And from my colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Hey, what about uh, opening the next bottle, man? Another bottle. What's another going bottle. On? Right, which one are we going to go for? Yeah, we have to. Go the Shiraz. We're going to keep on the Shiraz. This is Big Cam. He's got his bottles in the back there. Big Red Dog. So this is, I'm not going to lie, I picked this one completely on the label because it's one of the coolest bottles I've seen in a long, long time. It's called Take It to the Grave. And on the label is a skeleton playing a golden guitar with a sombrero on and even the, the lid's got some artwork around it. So when I was um, – <laughs> so I've got a bit of a skull fetish. I've got – yeah, skulls used to be my thing, an ill-fated tattoo as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's and, a visual uh, appearance. Yeah. Well, we, we've spoken before and, and tried to give some tips once on how to pick a good wine and – for people who know what they're doing, you, you start with the year and then work your way out. But sometimes the best thing you can do is just scan the shelves for any mini mo. No, it's not any mini mo. Find something that catches your eye. Yeah, which I did today. Yeah. We'll go to that. I tomorrow. looked past all the standards and the skeleton popped out to me and I thought, let's have a look at that. So it's a 2018 Shiraz. It's from the Langhorn Creek region of the Barossa Valley. Langhorn Creek is best known for its Shirazes and Malbacs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Barossa Valley is obviously very well known for its wines. I think we've gone three from three from the Barossa Where's Valley today, have yeah, we? Uh, no, the other one was... Um, Didn't you? Kunawara. Yeah, yeah Kunawara. Ah, Kunawara. So we've got two of Kunawara, one of Barossa. And Barossa is where? South Australia. Yeah. yeah. You nearly had me there, mate. <laughs> Don't ask me where Langhorn <laughs> Creek is. <laughs> it's in the Barossa Valley. <laughs> so we'll give it a crack. It's going to be hit and miss. It's uh, It was $18, so it's not going to break the bank. And then my wife rang me and told me I could have got it for $13 from Dan Murphy's. I should have got uh, another John Duval. <laughs> I got a bit worried when we started with Thomas's first because I thought, oh, it's, it's, it's got a lot to live up to. Put mine under the pump, but we'll, we'll give it a crack, see what happens. All right, let's try this. You have to scull yours, Ruben. Oh, I'm going to skip this. Oh, actually, just a little, little taste. You have to Don't try. Get to skip. You have to try. Sorry, a little mate. Bit. Doesn't have to be a full glass. You just have to try a little bit. I have no problem. I've got a show for today, mate. So you just you know, <laughs> lucky you. Oh, I do. Lucky me. Lucky me. I knew there was a reason. <laughs> Listen, I've got uh, quite a few people who want to come to onto uh, Wine and Wisdom. They're starting to queue up and ask for uh, appearance. I don't know, boys. Maybe we should start uh, charging a fee. They come over here well, and they drink bring, and They eat bring for the $100 free. bottle. That That's works a, out well. That was about, you've took the words out of my mouth, mate. That sounds like a sterling idea. Let's try this wine. Let's try this. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. It's not bad. It's light, nice, nice light. It's 
very drinkable. Not as good it's as the punchy. last one, but nice. Yeah, not punchy. as structured. No. Punchy, it just hits Chung. you it's quite hard. You can taste it, Chung, but it's yeah. nice. It's yeah. nice. It's easy, nice. easy to drink. It's for, not a complete fail. For no, a no, dollar eighty, I think that's a <laughs> great wine. <laughs> well, but do you like that label? Though? Look at that. It is a cool label. The label was probably a dollar fifty. I wanted to ask Greta. I wanted to ask her about um, just going back to what you were doing for the employees. Isn't that you, the a core set up a hotline? Is that is that right? A, a core had a hotline for if they're having issues mentally or they having problems handling things. Is that right? We are affiliated with an employee, an EAP program, employee assistance program, right? Where you can ring that hotline and get assistance. We also had our regional team available for any questions that people had. But if someone is having a, a problem like uh, depression or whatever during this time, wasn't there a hotline they were all given that they could ring for assistance as well? So the hotline was connected to the executive team, right. their managers, plus the EAP program. Okay, that, okay. Yeah, the external EAP and program. You, I mean, you talk about the executive team all the time. And you talk about all the employees that were stood down. We know that the government has made half of Australia unemployed, but none of one has either taken a job cut or a pay cut. What's happened with the executive team in, in a call? Our executive yeah, team? Yeah. So we've all had reduced hours. Yeah. So we're all working reduced hours. Initially, we were asked to use our annual leave. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of businesses, they tried that first off. Before the restrictions were put in place for food and beverage, we already could foresee a very low occupancy. So we had placed all of our staff on variation contracts mm -hmm. initially. And for the executive team, we all had to accept a variation contract as well. So, you know, it's lead by example, right, Thomas? If it's no, okay. We, we follow the politicians. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're if, getting <laughs> if we're going to have the hard discussions with our team, we want to know that we're leading the way and we've mm. taken a bit of a cut too. And I tell you, when you ha you're having a difficult conversation with someone and able to say, mm. I too have had my hours cut, I too have taken my annual mm. leave. Gee, it really sounds and looks and feels like we're in it together. Mm. Yeah, so thank Listen, you. mate, uh, before you, you go off onto the politicians, <laughs> I'm sorry. I disagree, I disagree with you. Rita is right. The politicians are also having their hours cut. They're working less. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> to know about their pay. Yeah, I noticed. I was about to say to Rita, I know your hours have been cut, but is the uh, pay packet match the hours? Because we know our politicians Sacrilege. are doing Sacrilege. You don't know about that. Nah, we can talk about anything. Sacrilege. Nah, I'm only joking with that question, by the way. You're politicians, you bastards. So um, I've got a bit of inside information on that too. So, uh, however, moving forward, what what is sort of – a cause plan now to sort of help people get back into that method of working on the meaningful roster. Meaningful, meaningful, meaningful. meaningful. The meaningful, meaningful roster. Well, we have all prepared across every precinct a new world plan, and our new world plan really this sounds like world dominance, but <laughs> really is about what does the new world of our operation and our labour force look like coming out of COVID nineteen. Mm. We know that it is going to be a very different world. Right now, we know that we need multi-skilling across different roles. We know we need to care for our people and connect with our people on a completely different level, whether they're stood down and when they come back to work. In fact, when our employees come back to work, they are different people. If they we come don't back know. to work. We don't know what they've suffered, Cam. 
We don't know the financial hardship. We don't know what their family's gone through, right? Yeah. Those people who want to come back, they'll come back and you'll do all that and you'll help them and you'll reach out to the ones who maybe want to come back and you don't have jobs for. What What's a core now going to do to fill the roles that you can't fill? When they don't come back. When they don't come back. Yep. See, so I, so I take, because it's my job on here to play devil's advocate. Yeah. If someone rings me and says, if you ever want to be part of the meaningful roster again, you'll come back to work, I'd just be like, are you threatening me? I'll, I'll take my <laughs> 750 to stay at home. You can stick your meaningful roster until the government stops paying me. No, and I would say I'm not threatening you. I'm giving you all the information you need to know yes. so you can make an educated decision <laughs> on whether the you want to come back mate. or not hey, right now. But that's you, yeah, We're going to come across but it. But is the company then going to lead them off? I wish I had that answer right now, Thomas. Okay. I mean, we are very fortunate. I mean, if you have someone like refusing shift, surely you have to put them in different basket. Well, right now, we know who's on the meaningful roster and who's come back and those that have not come back. Mm-hmm. Whether there is any work Threats. for them now or into the future remains to be seen, I, I right? just want to ask you because I know that your company mm-hmm. has put a $70 million into the hardest fund, but wouldn't that be have been better maybe for some Pullman or some core hotels to maybe keep a hotel for those people who were here and not meeting the job seeker, maybe in a room and for, for them to keep on, yeah, and, and for them to keep on working and, and keep the the hotel going and wouldn't that be the 70 million dollar better spent it's interesting you say that because we have had those conversations with those that are suffering hardship right do they need accommodation if they need accommodation i can only speak for our precinct yes we would give them a room if that would help them out mm-hmm. right i can't speak on behalf of the company right i understand mm. but that's very good for the, anyone who works for our core right now listening to this you have a free room. Actually, I would like a job at that call. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kim, well, let's, let's go back to, go well, back to okay. the bosses for a second. Right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to spin that on your head. Yeah, I'm going to spin on its head. No, hang, oh, you hang you on go. for a second. Right. No, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you this. <laughs> now, you you own your own show, right? Yes, mate. So let's let's say you've got ten staff that are out there waiting to come back. Five yes. do, five five don't. Five say I'll do whatever hours you give me. I'll do whatever hours you don't give me. Yes. And the other five have the approach that Reed has taken. I'd rather you be on the meaningful roster. But no, no, I'm happy to stay home. Coming out of COVID, you need seven staff. Are you going to call any of the, the other five? You're going to recruit two. Not a more? chance in hell. Okay. Yeah, but that's the tattoo that's, we were talking that's, about. That's that's it. The tattoo is gone. They, they are. They are. Dig in their own grave. Absolutely. God, you know, the, whatever legislation is around JobKeeper and all that, we're never qualified for it. Yeah, you're so right. we're not bound by any of that stuff where we have to keep, you know. You shuddered a thing, and T.O. and I were talking about in the car, we, we do a lot of studying of human behaviour in, in our roles. It's, it's what we do. I can't see, big fan of getting one plus one a week or two or some sort <laughs> of dot to join up. Yep. I don't, there's no way that dot ever gets joined. I don't see the end game. I don't see what we're trying to achieve here. I don't see where you see yourself in the next six months, 12 yeah. months. I don't no, – there's been no foresight put into some of their decisions whatsoever. Yeah. And that, yeah, they're, they're making themselves unemployable. That's going to follow them around. That's a tattoo that's going to last a long, long time. But then to go back to Thomas's point before, what about the – what I want to say to anyone who's been forced to work full hours on – forced to work full hours on um, JobKeeper wages and, and – not getting any flexibility there. I'm hiring. Yeah. And if you would like to come that's and work That's a fair call for, too, mate. That's a fair call know, too. Because I think that's garbage as well. The, the thing that's hurt me so much with some of the reaction that we're getting is we did everything in our power to make sure the people were looked after. When I reduced their hours and their wage, I upped their commission to match. We reduced to a level where the government would give you some money and some of my guys ended up losing 80 to to $100 a week instead of their entire wage. Yeah. 
um, targets went down. If I'm lowering your hours of work and lowering your wage, yep. I can't keep you on the same targets. That's not fair. It's just. That's just. Yeah. I will up your commission. So if you do work and if you do dare to work outside your four-hour shift, you will get paid ridiculously. Yeah. Because we just didn't know what was coming. Yeah. Um, so, and that's how I feel every employer, leader... We'll use the term leader, and I think real leaders would have acted that way. People who didn't act that way fall into that boss category. And, mate, the job ads are out there. We're everywhere. So if someone's forced you to work like that, give us a call. You know, we've got a good friend of ours, and talking about unjust employers, uh, we've got a good friend of ours who's in the travel industry. Um, and there she's down to, I think, three days a week on Job Seeker. And her boss has said, I can't afford to pay you super, and I can't afford to pay you the holiday pay and so forth. So... Don't complain after this goes back to normal because uh, the business has closed down otherwise. Straight out to the employees. And I'm thinking, well, what sort of boss is that not forecasting her team efficiently? So we're getting to hear the truth from an employer, right? right. And yeah. about their integrity right. and their brand. That tells right. you about their values and that tells you about their own tattoos because yeah, just as much as an employee has got a tattoo, employers do have a tattoo as well, yeah, yeah. And which is one of the things that we discussed on one of our podcasts earlier. COVID has done a lot. It has reset a lot of values for people. Like most, of, most people talk about, I value family and like idiots, they're running around from 7 to 10 at night and they just run around 15 hours a day working. How can you say you value family more when your family may see just one one or two hours? Now, some, so I think it has reset that. But it also actually identified bosses from leaders like Cameron was talking about. People who actually would rather take advantage of the system than really try to make an income and make everyone profitable. But also it has identified Bad employees from good employees. Mm. This is fantastic because it. I reckon in, in that respect, COVID is a cleaning virus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I true. think the, the law of finding out someone's true colours in times of adversity doesn't discriminate between employer, employer, husband, wife. It's the rule of life. You yeah. doesn't matter what position you're in, whether you're Prime Minister, whether you're Donald Trump, whether you're, you're anybody, anyone can fake it until a worldwide pandemic happens. And then you find out exactly where everyone's at. That's right. Exactly. And we even see it amongst our executive team. Who are those that come through and, and are humble and are measured in their decisions? Do more than they're required thinking to. And, and think out of the box and are able to adapt in a changing, ever-changing environment. Mm -hmm. And those that are struggling that have, you know, we have one that has moved into management by fear and mm. is really struggling and stressed and angry and emotional. Yep. You know, so I'm doing a lot of work around emotional intelligence at the moment with the executive team and remembering that, you know, it, it's okay to feel what we feel. Remember to be aware of it and manage it. Something like manage that, though, it. in that instance that you're describing is more of a skill thing rather than a bad person thing, right? So we've, well, yeah, we've found yeah, out what some people's there. core values... Yeah, but it's so always there, but it flares up in times of pandemic, right? You, you've got to right? be pretty bloody cool, calm and collected to not have a moment of panic during what we've done. That doesn't make that person a bad person. What no, we are seeing, though, we are finding the bad from the good. And bad's a very general term. Yeah. But the fact that you're still willing to work with that person and try and coach them out of that situation means you obviously think their values are or their, their inner person is worth working with. Um, there's a difference between someone who's a young business owner or young to management or a first-time employee. This is your first job and you've run into bloody coronavirus. Like, 
Jesus Christ! You used to you just had, you're supposed to go to Macca's and just serve soft <laughs> serve. So you know <laughs> what I mean? This so. is where you see the cream rise to the top. I yeah. mean, I, I look at Alexander. I see him working to eleven thirty every night. Like this morning, I saw him having his shower at six thirty in the morning because he had to get on to work. And and I think that this is where you see people rise to the top. Anyone who's going to look at employing people should ask. What did you do during COVID? Yeah. Oh, I slept longer. I had longer days and in my bed and blah, blah, blah. Do not touch them. You know, you want <coughs> the people who's, who would talk about uplifting things and how they just went the extra mm. mile for things. You want those guys like the Alexander who, all right, he likes to live. So when he's off, he, he, he goes and, and buy himself like nice steaks to eat. But you want people who are going to go out there and extend themselves. Yeah. Right? Well, Alex, right. it doesn't matter if, if you have to wake up at four and start doing things because the job has to be done. Yeah. And so I baited him this morning and I said, uh, gee, man, that's a little bit harsh, you know, having to work that late and you've got a pretty heavy schedule and you never get on with your schedule. I just wanted to test what he, his answer but was. And he said, Dad, there is no schedule when it comes to work. You have to do whatever is work is available until it's done. And I thought, yeah, you, uh, you got a tick. I tried to test him in another way on the weekend because yeah. we we're trying to organise a few drinks for someone's birthday upcoming. And I said, mate, we're all staying up there on the Sunday night. Oh, I can't do that. Why? Got to work the Monday. Just have a day off, mate, because I'm the, I'm the evil devil. <laughs> no, there's no more having any more time off work. It was his answer straight away. And yeah, I thought, yeah, nah, you, one, you make me sick, but two, good on you, brother. Yeah, yeah. You're passing up a beer for work. What are you <laughs> doing? <laughs> no, but I can back you up on that. You're not just talking from a proud dad point of view. Yeah. That's It's interesting. That's I spoke to an employee yesterday who ha- is currently doing housekeeping and was a cook, a chef in the kitchen. Wow. And I, you know, every time a staff passes, I ask, you know, how are you? What's happening? He said, oh, I get up really early to come to work. I said, really? Where are you coming from? He said, I'm coming from the Blue Mountains mm. and my alarm goes off at four o'clock in the morning to make sure that I'm here by six. Mm. Wow. And I said to him, you know, th- this talks about his integrity, right? He is an employee that we want to keep. Absolutely, they become a key the pillars. talent. Mm. Oh, I was pillars. just, I was just in awe when he told me the story, and yeah. he's coming in and doing housekeeping rather than his usual job in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. and Amazing. he'll work his way up. I Amazing. don't know what the, the progression plan is in a core, but he'll be able to work his way up at some point, and he'll instill That's that. That's right. Car. He'll he's someone who can build a business. He around. can travel through the world being a chef with a core. He can travel through the world, basically. And clean some bathrooms if needed. And if he wants to <laughs> clean some bathrooms at the long at the same time. Well, that work ethic becomes it would should become Absolutely. infectious. Um, and that's a culture that he'll be able to instill. And you can in yeah. a, you know, we we're talking about you're talking big business. We're talking teams of five people, ten yeah. people. But you can build a business around those type of people. Absolutely. Um and yeah, Thomas yeah. is right. Like uh, apart from all the doom and gloom early on, I think there's been way more good coming out of this situation than bad yeah. mm-hmm. doesn't mean we're not frustrated with certain things and sometimes you'll never cease to be amazed like just when you think you've got a handle on things someone else will throw a spanner at you and you go shit didn't see that coming but it's all it's not even silver lining i think more good than bad you know i did an interview today <laughs> <laughs> and i was asked by the interviewee of she's got kids that are 14 and 11 if something comes up with the kids am i able to take care of that and i said of course, kids before work always were family, family first. Oh, the last office I was at, no, I couldn't, I 
couldn't leave. I was told very, very succinctly that I was to stay in my chair and not leave until after workout. If your kid's got a runny nose, and you, and you know, it's a different story. If your kid's hurt itself, but that absolutely. business, no, but that business is going to get left behind. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Anyone 100%. who works for business like that, please call us. Get out of that office quick. You're in the wrong business. In, you're working with someone who couldn't give a shit about you. Get off your butt, run, and don't come back. Keep running like Forrest Gump. <laughs> and that talks to culture again, right? Talks to culture and how we treat people and our values. The world's been going that way for a long time, and, and you know Thomas has been one to always—he's been trying to espouse it for a long time. But it took a global pandemic for a lot of people to see it. Well, not even see it, have it forced upon them. And all of a sudden, the staff are still doing the job, but they're at home some of the time. And they're still doing the job, but they're not stuck in their office chair for eight hours a day. And that forced—it should have forced all those leaders who were struggling to come to the new world because it's, it's been the new world for a while in that sense. Flexibility around work hours and and job. Should have been away for a little while now. Yeah. Um, but it's now forced anyone who was a bit slow on the uptake into a position where why would anyone, forget the people who are refusing to come back to work, why would anyone now come to a job where that is the expectation? There's no flexibility around your hours. There's no flexibility around your home life. It's nothing but good to come out of it with yeah. with bits of frustration and disappointment mixed in between. But yeah. they are all been valuable lessons. Let me ask you something a little bit uh, different uh, and away from rugby here for a second. <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus Christ, man. What, why is Talked it about his son for how long? Why... <laughs> But it's about work. <laughs> what is Accor doing for the moment? And why is it that guys like me or like Cam and, and Chris, <laughs> why is it that we're not getting a cheaper room or maybe an invitation to something special that Accor is doing? What is Accor having some creative thinking in terms of like, what is it that we're doing to fill up the room? Sure, the room I'm sure has got a cost and then we have a markup. What about we have less markup, but then we make sure that our entire staff's working because we have now come up with creative ideas about how to fill it up, such as inviting the uh, next uh, rugby league champion over <laughs> to explain how his dad is <laughs> cheering up from the sidelines, for example. And all the kids who've got rugby aspiration turns up with their parents, for example, for the weekend. I don't know. Yeah, that's a really good question. And we do have a marketing and sales team that is pitching. Yeah, well, uh, they pitching to me. Initiatives to have teams come in, you know, but again... We're in a precinct that is event, concert driven, right? <laughs> While our borders stay closed, why would you come to a Sydney Olympic Park? You've got to create Sports. the reason. Right, exactly. And that's what marketing and sales are focusing on now because we could have the borders closed, they're saying, till at least the end of the year, beginning of next year. So we do need to have a look at our work differently and our operation differently I, I, I'm to just, survive. I'm it's just going to push question. it. I'm just going to push it. Why wasn't there a tennis camp organised with maybe people to give, uh, I mean, uh, respecting the wearing of masks, respecting social distancing, but why wasn't there one over the next three weeks? The kids are off. Very good question. Fight the marketing people. <laughs> <laughs> the marketing people are not working. Thank God Wine and Wisdom is around to come up with ideas. But, you know, you raise a really good point, Cameron. The hey. workforce... Is don't do that. Don't changed. do that. Don't do that. It He's, is he's love you. <laughs> do you know what? Why can't employees work from home? Why can't students study remotely at university? 
You know, this is exactly where we're moving in the future. It is going to be hard to refuse employees who can do their jobs at home to continue working from home. Absolutely. That's the one thing that we know already. That is going to be on the increase. Employees working from home, absolutely. Meetings happening in the office, the rest, they work whatever they want to be doing. But you will always have leaders who have got inner demons of insecurity, who because they are spending $100 on employee, they want to make sure the employee is working 150 If it's 149 yes. we've got a problem. Therefore, we will always have those kind of leaders who are so insecure, who want to see them, you know? And that will never change. That's human nature. Yeah. But then I say, how do we measure productivity well, and, e- and efficiency? Because it'll grow out you know, as those old leaders retire or move on to other things. The new people coming through are going to be in a... a That's revolution. But, it, you know, it's years down the track, generation down the track probably. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I get what Thomas is saying about your job too. We saw restaurants have to come up with takeaway menus. We saw um, a lot of new businesses spring up out of this and a lot of people thinking outside the box just to stay alive. If, if you're in an industry that or your precinct is reliant on events, create an event. Yeah. You know, sponsor the tennis camp. He's just saying that to Zara and Zoe, the... the New, the next Williams sisters. Have no, got no, somebody no, go. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying it because I, I know if, if I said uh, rugby, I couldn't give a crap, yeah. right? But if, if I knew there was a tennis camp organized that way and it was over five days and five nights and here's the room and it would cost you only this much and you'd, I'd be there. So I'm talking about from my mm. own personal interest. Yeah. Like you with your son, if it was about rugby and there was something like this, on top of it, that hotel is right where the Olympics happened. Mate, I'd so send the kids so there for a week and they don't play tennis. Off you go. <laughs> so like, I can quickly get passionate about tennis again. <laughs> you had lots of notes written down. I'm interested to see because I was warned that you had a few differences of opinion, so I want to know what they are. Oh, well... Where do we start? Let me oh, go back to my notes. I've got a question for you guys. I've got a question. This... this this pandemic has created, obviously, as we've just spoken about, a, a, a culture of people that are comfortable to stay at home, uh, 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 receiving this job keeper, job seeker payment. Yeah. Um, how Moving forward, how are we going to... How's the transition? What's the transition? How are we going to get them motivated to go look for a job? Because I believe, if you look at sort of, for, for example, for an analogy, a bird in a, a, a nest... The mother bird pushes that bird out of the nest and makes it fly. As kids grow up, as parents, we go encourage our children to go out and seek job and be a contributing adult. Um, what do we see moving forward? How are we going to change this? Until they cut off the payments, it's probably not going to change a lot. Okay, but so I said, pain. But I'm on the record of saying last week, I don't think they're cutting off the payments, I, mate. I still disagree, but that's cool. Even No, but as, as the minute we did that podcast, he was out there saying we're reviewing it and it may change in form. There was no talk of talk of stopping the payments. Which is good. It means that you know, ScoreMo has been listening to our podcast yeah, before well, that's talking exactly what about I was this, getting which, at is, which is fantastic. <laughs> but no sooner have we said that than the language around stopping the payments ended and it was we're going to change the payments okay. and retest the, they talk about retesting the job keeper not getting rid of the job keeper um we could harp on forever about poor parenting and how you're letting your kids stay at home doing nothing and refusing work but they're adults now yeah, we can't, that. that's adults but well, what do not, we do mate, they're still kids so they're making themselves unemployable we're already working out the businesses can 
run a lot leaner than they probably have been. So where there was 50 jobs available, now you might only find 20. That's a good point. Um, and, but I don't think that bodes well for the, the country either because if they're not getting paid, they've already said, for one, they will be... Initially, they said they would never go back to the old dole as far as an amount. They've already said they will be cutting it back because they've realised doubling it was too much. Yeah, that um, was the most stupid move. Um well, I, get, I think they did it for new unemployed, uh, but they had to pay the old unemployed as well. So I don't know if it's so much of a transition period other than a whole lot of people waking up one day going, oh, fuck, I right. fucked up there. Right. And then, you know, I So we know. do things for one reason, right? One of two reasons, pain or pleasure. So it'll be the pain will be too great for the majority of them and they need to go out and search for that work, right? But then in the meantime, if they've made themselves unemployable, because if smart employers are going, what did you do during COVID... Mate, and that's the lack of thought. And that's where's a parent just saying, just think about this for two seconds. Sure, you might not want to work there anymore, but what are you going to do? What are you going to tell the next bloke who's interviewing you? Yeah. And it's best to go out and get another job now before the demand hits, right? Doing whatever, right? Correct, because once job job keeper... That's right, once job keeper ends, and I think they will end up staggering it, that's my prediction, it won't be cut off completely for everyone at the same time because that way it'll stagger it for industries and it means that we will not have that high demand of people out there in the market looking for work at the same Mm. time because that will cause absolute chaos. Yeah. (coughs) Chaos. Well, I, I think I agree with you. But I think that the first thing that needs to be done is the ATO needs to get rid of all the cash businesses. They now got their way into all of those businesses through job keepers, and I think it's time now. Got them all off. Half of bank accounts closed. And we, well, it's good because it means that there's going to be good people running businesses. Yeah. And you know, you, you go to Belgium, you go into a restaurant, <clears throat> whatever they charge, the minute they go enter and you pay in, that bill is sent to the ATO. Wow. Not, not a BTO, maybe Belgian tax office. Not BYO. Australia's got all Belgians' tax information. <laughs> yeah. And so the minute they've done it, and over here, mate, there's people like selling 100 kebabs and they declare three. And then they, and then when JobKeeper turned up, they suddenly have like 53 employees. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and all with the same name. <laughs> so we, we've got problems. Once they have it, get onto them. Shame them, name them, hang them, whatever we have to be doing. Get rid of them. The COVID-19 is not just about something that hits the elderly. The ATO, I hope you're listening to me. I'm clean. I have got no problem. If you want to come and do af- run after me, no problem. Make sure you run after everybody else too. And... This is the opportunity for COVID-19 through ATO to clean up the business in Australia. Yeah. You know, one of the things that my son shared with me quite a while ago, he said, you know, in, in Europe, the cash business is gone. Everything's on card and it goes, and why are we still on cash? We should be a cashless country because no. once we have it, at least everything's declared, everything has... No. People have to pay their dues. It won't be long. I don't believe it'll be long before we are a cashless society. I give it another ten years, mate. You won't be hard to. You'd be hard to pull money out of a wall. Seriously. So you're happy with all your uh, earthly belongings just being numbers on a computer screen? Unfortunately, that's the way that world's going to go. Am I happy with it or not? I think, but that's the way that society's going to go. Okay, is everything will be uh, online and you cash cash itself 
will be just about almost a thing. So we're working I also for numbers think, on a screen, mate. That's but I also think handwriting handwriting is going to be a thing of a past too. I think handwriting will be a lost art in the next ten to twenty years. It'll be all voice command keyboard. Mm. So I think that text people have longer thumbs. Yeah, that's um, a little less. Uh, Imposing than a cashless society. No, I understand like the that. But of that you've got to look huge. at the you've got to look at the evolution of society. That will be the case. We've gone from a society that was shells and shiny stones through to now plastic cards and uh, numbers on a keyboard. Well, cashless society will be something we'll look at because George Floyd <laughs> died because of cash. Well, there you go. That's true. If his yeah. twenty dollars was uh, through credit card, George Floyd would still be alive. Bloody monopoly money. But because he turned up and gave them a, a fake $20, which he probably didn't even know because who is stupid enough to go and give a fake 20 bucks to a business that you go to all the time. And then hang around the front for half And an then hour. sit there that's for a cigarette. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I think that, anyway, that's, that, that <laughs> goes outside we want to talk about that. We're going back there. We're going back to football. Yeah. <laughs> rugby, mate. Rugby league, mate. Rugby league. Don't even call it rugby. Rugby's rugby gone. Rugby league. So moving forward, so as I said, what, what do you think the solution is to getting these people back into work? It's just it's going to be a matter of pain, is it? Do you think, fellas, it's going to be and boss lady? Do you think it's going to be a matter of pain, or is there something the government or the society can do to help these people realise? You're is, talking. Mate. You're talking to a guy who's very uh, Republican or liberal kind of, right? Me, I'd go. It's very simple. Stop the shit. Yeah. All right. And then you go back and then you sit in front of guys like me and then we will interview you and we will want to know what you did during COVID. Yeah. All right? And then from there we go. And if you have to live with your parents for the rest of your life because you stuffed up, so be it. Or get, up your, get off your ass now and go and do something meaningful with your life so that when it's all finished, we all know that you've done something meaningful. Yeah, yeah I think too they'll have to go out and search for jobs again and show evidence that they're looking for jobs and trying to get employment through the government. Because yeah. that, that was the plan before JobSeeker. You had to be out there searching for work and sh recording that you're job-seeking. There's just not going to be any work for them, though. And th this is going to be The ones that issue. have stuffed up this time. The guys who have done the right thing this time will have no trouble getting a job because the way the universe works is good things happen to good people. Generally speaking. Stuffed in the well universe, said, mate. No, I've never met the universe. The universe doesn't give a shit yeah, about it. It does, mate. Right? The, kid, the thing is, I truly believe that stuff, stop believing in the universe. You create your own destiny. Right. That's exactly the same thing. If they're doing the right thing now, they're no. not going to have a problem in the future. I, would, I don't want to create my destiny. I would love the universe to just give me a patch in... In in uh, Bali and uh, and a lot of money in the bank account. I, I just want to. You realise we just said exactly the same thing, but you're trying to make a point. If they do the right thing now, they're going to be fine getting a job in the future. Yeah, they're doing the wrong thing now. They've made themselves unemployable. There's going to be less jobs, right? Because along with cashless society is going to come automation of just about fucking everything. Yeah. Right. So if we want to go that far down the track, I don't know. I mean, the school of thought was before all this shit happened, at some point governments are going to have to start paying people to stay at home anyway because there are going to be less and less jobs. That's right. So, that's I mean, right. we're looking a long time into the future now, but I think it, the future's been sped up a lot by everything that's going on there. I don't have an answer to 
what are we going to do with those people and how are we going to get them back to work? I don't yeah. want them back in work. Well, if they're that, the type of people they are, they don't. They shouldn't deserve a job. There is there they is going to be deserve. a position somewhere for them. There will be those bad bosses that we talk about. hope they find each other. The good employees and the good leaders find each other and the bad employees and the bad bosses find each other. They don't deserve to be taking money out of someone's pocket if that's how they've acted. Yeah. Yeah. So there shouldn't be a transition. Fuck them. Right. Now you're talking, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that does to the economy. I'm not smart enough to know what that does for society as a whole. Yeah. But fuck them, mate. Yeah. Why do we want these people back in work? We don't. You, you can't, though. You can't. You will have to reduce. Well, not physically, fuck them. You'll have to. I know you can't do that. Thanks, Cam. Thanks. You will have to reduce. Job seeker, you'll have to reduce it back to what it was, yeah, but what I'm, what and people will have to be forced to go and yeah, seek 100% work. Yeah, hundred percent agree, but they're not going to. They shouldn't be seeking work. They should be tattooed across their forehead. I stole off someone till it suited Castrated me. Castrated and put in the gold mines. It's oh. a really bad wake up call when that day arrives. It's going to be a really bad wake up call. All right, guys. What about a bit of spin busters now? What's going on the last seven days? And we predicted a few things last seven days. <laughs> did that happen? Did that happen? What's happened over the last seven days? Well, we talked about them stopping the payments, and straight afterwards they said, "Oh, we're not going to stop them. We're going to stagger them." We was we were getting closer on that one. My biggest thing of the week has been the. The job stuff. I the job stuff. There hasn't yeah, been right. a lot else going on in the news that has brought my attention. Quite I think the like big that. thing in the news is what's happened in Melbourne. Is the outbreak of? Uh, um, I think you've got more stats on this, right? Don't you? I mean, yeah. like four hundred and fifty-one new active cases in in the last few days. Um, we've got twenty hospitalised. We've got four intensive care. Um, so got, the army didn't stop it. Uh, no, it wasn't the army. Apparently, Corona can beat guns. No, they brought the army in to stop it, not to distract <laughs> them from all their corruption. I told you last week it was not. Daniel Andrews brought him in not to stop yeah. COVID. It was to stop all any journalists talking about yeah, branch stacking. Yeah, exactly. You know, and the funny thing is, yeah. I heard uh, Kevin Rudd because at the moment Cameron Rudd, faceless. I said Kevin. He's not talking Kevin. about sorry, jo- sorry. I'm talking about uh, ScoMo Scott Morrison. <laughs> Fucking Kevin Rudd. So bloody hell. Jeez, uh, only two bottles in. Um, Scott Morrison. There's a by-election down in the area of around Bega at the moment, and he was on the TV uh, on the radio. Sorry talking about the corruption and the in- inquiry. So he's fed fuel to the fire, like we sort of said last week, that the Melbourne are going to implode themselves. They are The, the, the government's going to implode, so it's an easy victory for him in that sort of electorate. And he just basically turned around and fell into what we said. He said, Labor, Labor followers can obviously see that the Labor government is not doing the right job. They're, they're corrupt and it's... Um, Catastrophe, I think the word he used um, within what's happening in the, the the leadership in the in the Labor government at the moment. So he, we predicted that as well. We knew that he said he was going to follow something along those lines. Um, but the outbreak in in Melbourne itself, and you said that the the government the um, drink up. You said the uh, armies come in to try and stop it. No, it was to keep people apart on the pokies, is what they brought them in for. Right. But well, where where was the outbreak happen? Where did the outbreak happen? In the, in the suburbs, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it happened in hotels. Yeah. There was in a hotel. Yeah. Oh, in hotels with security yes. that were not appropriately trained, apparently. And it was with secret lighters that were passing uh, from one to another, sharing car carpooling sort of Mingling. from work as well. Can yeah. I just say, and I'm, I can pretty much guarantee this won't be the popular opinion on this panel, but 451 cases in a whole state—who gives it? 
Red it's sauce. not an outbreak, mate. It's not a really? wave. It's yeah, really. Really, with really. that attitude. Really, <laughs> Cameron. Really, no, we've serious. got to put a stop to it. Honestly, stop to what? There's more people with a frigging cold at the moment. How many kids are in intensive care at the moment with the flu? Bring up that stat. Four hundred and fifty people's a second wave. The first wave never finished, and out of twenty-five million people, seven thousand people got it. You're obviously not panicking and buying toilet paper. Fucking no. Or pastimes. <laughs> And Thomas will say, oh, but you, you kept your mum away from your kids. Yeah, I did, because that was smart. Bringing in the army to no, stop people called, drinking that, schooners. That, that's called double standards. I want so my mum to be safe. Fuck the rest. No, I didn't say fuck the rest. Yeah, are we panicking or are we actually going to have a conversation because 450 I get you. people... I get you. Double standards. Oh, mate. You're you one of those lizards with two face, mate. Uh, Would you be worried if it was in Sydney, in your no, suburb? not at all. Testing van up the road? Carry on, Knocking on case. your door. Probably Why are you sales? shouting into the microphone? <laughs> I'd 100% be refusing tests like everyone else. Step away from the microphone. <laughs> so you would refuse a test? Mate, I'm refusing everything from now on. If they try and shut us down again, I've already told Chad had to sign another piece of paper that said if they shut us down, Cam's going to refuse and get dragged away <laughs> on a current affair. So we've signed that bit of paper as well to go with my all opinion, the other. My opinion is not of this man. <laughs> um, because they can't and I won't and they've tried it once. And I'm just, I'm off it. The idiots, mate. Fancy hoarding toilet paper twice. <laughs> fancy hoarding toilet paper twice, you That's fucking all right. moron. I found it didn't out. happen the first time. <laughs> I found out this morning our local servo has toilet paper. I'm good. We're good, Chris. Oh, We're good. People who have hoarded you know, it for the second time, they should have a genetic test and never be allowed breed again. The they should not thing. be allowed to put human beings on the planet if you've gone and hoarded <laughs> toilet paper twice. You know what's amazing? I didn't want to write it that strongly on the Facebook page, <laughs> but now I'm saying it. You shouldn't be allowed to breed <laughs> if, you if you've gone for toilet paper <laughs> twice. The amazing thing, people hoarding toilet paper across a border. So Melbourne's gone into lockdown and only some suburbs. But where we live in Menai, people are hoarding toilet paper. The shelves are almost empty. So we're like, you're idiots. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> One thing I didn't even think of is cleaning supply companies. I had dinner next to a guy a couple of weeks ago who I know from the air and he owns a cleaning supply company. they got 48,000 rolls of toilet paper. We aren't going to run out. He said, I'm sitting there <laughs> laughing, mate. <Yeah. laughs> Apart from the fact that he's just bought his new penthouse overlooking Sydney Harbour. Oh, well, he just said, just call me. He said, if we run out, it's crazy. just call me. It is crazy. It is crazy. All right. So the third bottle of wine, what do we got here? Actually, what? this... That is a weird bottle. Yeah, this little bottle I've seen on shelves quite a number of times and never bought it, but today it stopped me. It's called Little Giant, and it's a Cabernet from Coonawarra. Um, and it didn't have a lot of markings in, in the fact of, a, um, of an actual vineyard. So I looked into it, and it's created by a company called Fourth Wave, what, Fourth Wave Wines. Now, what they are is they're a marketing company. They're a marketing company that go and find niche areas within a, um, an industry and, and create um, a product there. So they've got an uh, organic wine called Bumblebee. Uh, they've got, oh, you might have seen them, wine in a can now. They can get wine in a can. Um, they've done those. So I don't have very high aspirations the for the actual talks, value The more he talks, the more worried I get. <laughs> I don't have high aspirations There's for the value like of the wine. nothing like a wine made from Scotty However, from it is <laughs> it does come from the Coonawarra region. Apparently they go out and source the wine. It comes from two vineyards. They go and source the wine. Um, the label and the bottle itself, I think is a beautiful. It's, a, it's called Little Giant. It's got a wombat on the cover. 
Um, and the way they market it is very clever. So hopefully the wine itself sticks up to the, the marketing they've done for it. Oh, um, I guarantee you anyone drinking wine from a can is hoarding toilet paper. <laughs> It's yeah, a lay down museum, right, mate. What about wine with you a wombat? You know what I reckon should be in a can? Wine. Oh, well, we, uh, all of our bottles uh, today have uh, been from uh, South Australia. Two different regions. Let's have a look. But Cabernet from um, Kunawara, you couldn't pick a better one. So that's going to be very dangerous to my bottle. I don't know, man. It's got a wombat on it. It's designed by a man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let's try Let's this. Let's see how we go. Got a Cheers. nice colour to it. Deep Cheers. rich colour. Mm, actually, beautiful aroma. Ooh. Let's try it. That's actually wow. bloody good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's actually bloody good. Hasn't got the depth of yours, but that's a bloody good wine. Yeah, no. They've uh, written 18 on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that's the way they've done the labels. It looks like pen, but it's actually, it's on the back too. 750 mil. An 18. An 18. It's all in the print, but yeah. Might very clever, very last. clever marketing. You know, Thomas, last week we're talking about, um, you said chinking the wine. It comes yeah. down to including the sound. Yeah. I thought, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're full of it. So I looked a little bit deeper and I did find that um, analogy, but I also found that uh, in the time of medieval times, yes, you would clink the wine to possibly share into each other's glass to show that the wine wasn't poisoned. Because back then, if you've watched Game of Thrones, there's a lot of poisoning and killing off people mm -hmm. and so forth because it was very hard to prove that you poisoned someone. So people used to clink their glasses and tip wine into each other's glass to prove it wasn't poisoned. They used to drink it out of mugs. So there you go. Hurrah. And then I looked into the word toast when you have a toast. Right. And, you, and I thought, why the hell do we say let's have a toast? Yeah. And I found out that in the early whatever, 16, 1500s, whatever it was, the wine wasn't very good flavour. So what they would, they would put spiced toast into the wine and then eat the toast that was soaked up with the wine, which the bread back then was very stale and very thick. And then they'd eat the toast as a part of a celebration. So that, there you go. You've done some research this week, bro. It wasn't What's that hard. Just on? Google it, man. Everything comes His up. His wife was coming on, mate. His wife. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you talked about Google. Did, did you uh, Google that... Uh, Virginie uh, de la Lande I put on uh, Facebook yesterday. No, I didn't. Uh, We're not meant to be using Google anymore, guys. DuckDuckGo. I did DuckDuckGo for the unemployment news. I did actually use uh, DuckDuckGo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So share with us. Virginie de la Lande. Did you see it? No, Kay? I didn't see it. You boys are really full of shit. Yeah, you call yourself my freaking brothers. Forget oh. it. Virginie de la Lande is a young... Uh, young. She's 40 this year. Oh, but she, but she was born mute and deaf, partially, like really heavily deaf. And she had a, she had to go through um, some therapy three days a week for twenty years. And there was a, she speaks French, so so when you get onto Google and and or, or YouTube and watch some of her stuff, and she said she grew up people calling her weird. Because obviously she couldn't pronounce the right sound. How can you pronounce mm -hmm. a sound you never heard? Right. And then she had a problem with uh, pronouncing. Because how do you pronounce, even if you heard a little bit of it, how can it be that accurate? And when she was 20, people said, 
no one would want to marry someone like this, can't even talk properly, blah, blah, blah. And today, at the age of 40, the lady is married, happily married, with two children, and she is the first lawyer ever gra to graduate in France. Wow. A lawyer. Wow. So it's not even someone who's just finished schooling. You mean first deaf lawyer or first? Yeah, first deaf lawyer. Oh, wow. And, and to me, that's just an amazing thing. And I watch that because um, I always like to inspire myself with things. And, and, and the way you inspire yourself is look at the people who have less than you, but they have achieved way more. Because then you have no more excuses. And you watch someone like that. And you say to yourself, don't you ever catch another excuse that you didn't know you were not born here english was not your mother tongue because that's a woman who could even speak <laughs> yeah right wow. anyway that's about google anyway let's go back I did to see you post yeah was that on one did you put on one wisdom no no no, no it was no, on it was on his own until right yeah. okay i saw it and i couldn't pronounce the name he wrote so i didn't google virginie de la lord i saw it and i was busy doing the house i received it from my father taking care of the kids and Send it to me. <laughs> yeah, so watch that. Show people. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't do. One, one of the things I I was talking to an old friend I, I, I met with this morning uh, in Hornsby. And I was saying to her, in, in life you have to, I was talking about the SMS last week when I was on Tom Panos. It's one thing to have the skill in life knowing how to do your, your craft and doing it until you reach mastery, it's a must, it's, but still calls skill. It's another thing to have mindset. And mindset does not mean being positive. I was saying to her this morning, I said, a lot of people think that when you talk mindset, it means being positive. No, mindset is when you feel anxious, how do you overcome that? When you're feeling, uh, when fear is starting to attack you, how do you uh, build a wall against that? Those are the things that are part of mindset. Then I was saying to her, you know, until you really have soul, the third element of SMS, the soul, the self, it doesn't matter how much skill or mindset you have, you will always break down. That's why there are people who, in terms of skill, become like the biggest singer on the planet or the best uh, poet. They have great mindset where they have maybe controlled some of their anxiety and still commit suicide because their self was not there. Their self was not there to allow them to really rest on the, the first two. And so I, I do a lot of singing to develop myself. And one of the podcasts I did was with Dan, Danny Andrea, who, who lives in, in, in America, you watch this woman and you can see a, a woman who had gone through a lot of issues in her life and through singing has sh is shining through, yeah. you know? And, and I think that that's what we need to be doing. In, terms, in times of COVID right now, whether you are working in a hotel and you've been laid off or whether you're working in another industry and you've been laid off, it's a time for you to find yourself. So that you understand that the things that happen to us are not always bad. They may be a trampoline to something better, but we have to find that meaning. That's good. I found that Danny, that interview that you had with Danny was a, a beautiful part from that podcast was that fact that she's giving so much back now. So yeah. she's come back and she's gone back to the hall where she did the first pod, yeah. where she did her first singing lessons. Yeah. Now she's giving singing lessons 
to people who have never sung before, but they want to. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And she goes, I don't care if you're bad. I don't, I don't care if you're good. Just sing. Just and, – and the excitement in her voice during that podcast to sing – to talk about her giving back to people yeah. where it originated for her. And she tells a story of her mum, I think, bringing her as a, a baby and playing the piano in that very hall. Mm-hmm. I think they give that back. I think that's it's a it was a beautiful podcast too. Yeah, and, and, and you could see, I mean, she's not running away from anything. Some people, they run away from stuff in order to find something else. But you know what? They find the same shit different place, Yeah, right? She confronted her own demons, dealt with whatever was given to her right there and then. And today you look at the woman, she's different. I, I can still see times when the demon's back in her life. I can see it. During the podcast, I could see some of the stuff. But at least you're working on it. No one, n- no one is free from demons. So, so that time that we have now, Thomas, you're talking about they're having the time during COVID, past or present, whatever it may be, are we looking at really finding our true core values and and living to those values, is that is that what we need to be doing? I think that most people have found that their true core values. Um, I think that COVID gave people the opportunity to put into practice their true core values. Right. The people whose value were family really put their family first. Right. The people who uh, their true core value is about me, myself, and I found a way to find me, myself, and I during COVID. Yeah. So. The COVID was nothing else but a reset of our values. Okay. Do you think there's a there's a, 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 a an amount of people that still live by I think you call it their eulogy values? They still live by their eulogy values and don't have that realization of their actually true core values. Okay. What what your is it? Wished, when you, your wish. So, so your wish is it wished values? Your, so your so wish you have to be very careful because everyone wants to find the eulogy values. So what's the other values that you'd like everyone to look at you by? What's what was that? Cool. One? Your wished your values. Wished values. I wish I was all about family. Right. Because that's what people will think good of me. If I put family as my one number one value, right. people will look better at me. Yeah. So I'm struggling to remember the other word. It's wished versus act, uh, acted on. It's beautiful when you have a look um, how most of us, we, we live a life and that is so far away from our true values. Yeah. And we have to think... At the end of the day, are they going to talk about the values that we really are or are they going to talk about the values that we pretend and pretend show? We've been put under that much adversity recently that people could only fake it for a little while before their true That's values came out. That's a good point. Yeah. I yeah. think there might have been a week or two or maybe even lasted a month where you were still living your wished values yeah. and trying to put on a good show. But isolation, there's a reason that solitary confinement sends people batshit crazy. You can't. We're not designed to do it. So... The isolation, um, the, the different living standards, the different work conditions, all that stuff, it didn't matter how much you were trying to fake it, we ended up seeing on almost every level where people's true values lied. So I don't think it was about finding them. I think now it's a realisation that, hang on, these are actually my values and everyone's seen those. So going back to doing your wished values probably isn't going to fly in general and use that as an opportunity to embrace yourself. Yeah. Stop pretending. Realise that we've all seen your true colours now. Just be you. Yeah. yeah. I, I was talking to a leader lately and, and, and he said, you know, it was amazing to see a person hanging around you, Thomas, and they came back to the office so happy. 
And for me, it was very much, I didn't really want to say, because sometimes you don't say things to people for two reasons. One, to hurt them. Number two, to uh, belittle them. For me, deep inside, I was thinking, the reason the person was happy after a day well spent around me was it because I'm authentic. What, what I do is who I am. And I just live that way, you know. And that person can see that in the end, the way that I relate to them is based on true relationship, where the that person was probably seeing their leaders as it's always what's in it for their leader first. Yeah, right. It's never for the for them first. Therefore, when they are in a relationship with the that leader, there is always a filter. There's always something that is is in between the two of them and maybe that's the one thing that needs to change now the question is how do i remove my filters so that when i'm relating to the person they see the true me the weak-minded will judge you based on one page of the book instead of the entire novel and that's that's nice. You like that? I just, just right. came up with that. Did you make that or did you read that? I, I, might, have to, I might actually have to write that down. And that is so true. I actually might have to write that down. You literally actually might have to write that, to write that down. Like Give him someone to drink. Yeah. The guy no, no, is good. No, the guy no, gets no, good no, with no, this. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, if I was to judge TL on certain pages of the book, we've had some mad blow-ups. Yeah. And you realised you were wrong? Hey, no. <laughs> it was just, I was waiting for his ego to calm down long enough to call me. <laughs> You know, no, but I've, yeah. I and I, you know, I, I, I'm in the same category as 99% of the things I do. Well, everything I do is with the best of intention. About 40% of it's done with the right delivery. I just don't have it. And you say, you know, we've got to remove those filters. Don't remove too many filters. <laughs> you still need a filter between brain and mouth sometimes. But you sit there and wonder sometimes, you go, you know, you've read, it's a 400-page book, you've read 399 pages and you fucking loved it. One page annoyed you and all of a sudden it's undone 399 pages. And that's, I think, I don't think that's, it's something we need to work on and it's something that we can, you can blame on your upbringing or, or your set of standards, but it's also something that the person on the other end of it, grow up might be too harsh, but yeah. need to fucking... Grow up or, or stop and think, go, hang on, what's the body of work here? What's the form guide? Is this... But that's this the can. That's coming back to critical thinking, my mate, my friend. No, well, that's not critical. You're never going to advance in life. You, you you, you've got to pause and think deep, more deeply about that situation you're in. Exactly you yelled what at me two weeks ago. You've never yelled at me before. If uh, I was to hold that against you, mate, we'd be done. Mate, <laughs> trust me, I'm Italian. If I told to someone every time they yelled at me, I'd have no friends <laughs> ever. Because you right. swallowed a microphone. <laughs> yeah, but you see, me, I've learned that loneliness can be by yourself in a room. You can be alone and never feel lonely. Or you can, or you can be in a crowd and be very lonely, you see? Yeah. What I'm getting at is that those feelings of um, uh, what you are saying before about judging someone instantly or being upset by one page is not seeing the bigger picture. And I think the media, and what we are saying before, is the media jumps on that fact about human nature. We always go to the negative. It's our survival instinct. From what I understand, the psychology of man from caveman time is when we were cavemen, we'd go down the watering hole to take a drink or collect berries and a freaking saber-toothed tiger would jump over and kill someone. We go, we're not going back to that fucking watering hole. We always go to the negative. It's a survival instinct. And it's brought into us to do to other people. And Thomas, I don't think he's joking about the rugby league. I think he thinks he's serious about it, but... <laughs> 
You'll only ever hear bad things about rugby league players. You won't ever hear anything good. And all right, what's good about rugby players? Oh, mate, the work they do in the community, the work they do for underprivileged kids, the work the Aboriginal players are doing in the yeah, Aboriginal Yeah, but well, communities. I, I, I did talk about that. Uh, so well, yeah, exactly right. How many players are in the league? Then and we're conditioned it. to jump on someone as soon as they fuck up instead of going, oh, hang on, the bloke's done 99 good things. Right, Let's right. Let's not crucify him exactly. over the, the hundredth thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he only branched act... 45,000 people, not 43,000. So it was like... And that's, it's an education those thing. Those true figures, guys. So. Like you get to a point then, if people are going to keep doing that, they're not the people you want around you anyway. Yeah. I think you're right, though. I think it's so important to not stay on the negative. We are, as humans, moved to oh, negative. You've never made a mistake, Rita. It's okay. You're, really? You're I've made many mistakes, Cam. Oh, really? I haven't many seen mistakes. one, baby. <laughs> that's part of development and growth. But look... You do, you do go to negative, but it's about how long you stay negative. To be aware and then move over to positive is the key. Yeah, and you've got to judge the situation, not the person. I think the point is we all need to be authentic and if there's authentic, there'll be trust in relationships, but then that trust can't be abused by you're okay when he's being authentic in the good. You can't be not okay with it being authentic in the bad in air quotes because telling... I don't think telling someone what you think of them is bad, but people put that in the bad basket. Yeah. But is so, it so hold on, what, what, what are you trying to say? Uh, that uh, it's bad to be authentic than to be uplifting? If uplifting is not your truth. So, we all need work, right? But you've still got to be who you are at any given point in time. That's right. We should always, of course we should always be trying to uplift people. That doesn't mean lie. Yeah. That doesn't mean... Um, no, but the problem is that a lot of people are using... Uh, I, I just want to be honest with myself, be authentic, as a lousy out. and lazy and cop-out way for not improving, for not b- becoming better, for not chasing a better version of themselves. Yeah, no, so being authentic, you, you're supposed to try and improve every day. You want to wake up tomorrow trying to be better than you were the day before. So what day is it? Thursday... All day. Authentic Cameron Thursday should be different to authentic Cameron Friday in, in that sort of essence. You've always got to be true to yourself, but you're always going to be at different levels. True to yourself doesn't mean stay on the same level. Yeah, but listening to you right now, I'm, I'm seeing the same authentic version of Cameron 2018. So what does it make? Well, that's not the last nice, mate. I don't like you when you're so transparent. <laughs> <laughs> <authentic>. <laughs> You've really hurt my feelings, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't be here anymore. I'm very, I'm very sorry. I was but big I still authentic. want full pay. Right? That's and right. You won't the get judgment. the new wine either, mate. Mate, so. I've put on at least 15 kilos since 2018, so I know you're full of shit. You're not looking at the same person <laughs> at all. You look at him and his mates. <laughs> it is true. I was lying. I was trying to see you better. Than what <laughs> but you, you, you're right on what you're saying, Cam. Is you're saying that those who are around you? I used you, to use it. I used to use the. Uh, it's just who I am to not change. Yeah, right. that's a cop out, isn't it's, it? It's a hundred percent a cop out because I was a fucking arsehole. Now I'm somewhere between fucking arsehole and half decent. Half decent. There's a, there's a line, <laughs> and sometimes we fall back down. And we've talked. So about where's the where's the position between fucking and arsehole? <laughs> that's the gooch. <laughs> I was gonna. I've got too many lines for that. I'm not gonna say anything. That's, that's clinically known as the gooch, mate. That that yeah. bit, that little area yeah, between yeah. the anus and the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's blokes uh, that have. Just being themselves and get to 70 and realise, we talked about eulogies, that no one's at their funeral. Yeah. Because I'm just being me. But 
being me doesn't mean you don't have to change and try and improve yourself yeah, as a human being. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you true care. But by the same token, your mates around you need to look at you at certain times and go, look, you know what, that's not, he's not his best form. We still love him. He's on great form. We still love him. <laughs> true, true or true. Yeah? yeah. And and be able to pull your, pull your side and say, mate, you know, that wasn't right or that was right and so Well, forth. it's the same thing. You can't, if you're your but mates, you they're not ruining one page of the book. Something you wouldn't have done 12 months ago, you wouldn't have apologised for anything you said. You would have said, fuck you, that's my idea, in my opinion. When did I apologise? Well, I won't go into details. <laughs> no, all right. Yeah, it's not, it's not, I apologise a lot. Yeah, I apologise. Yeah, no. you, you, you with me? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And you've grown a lot that way, mate, outstandingly. Um, but we need to see that the post, like Reed said before, the both, both the positive and negatives of everyone. Um, and so, you know what, we have a good end in our bad days. Um, and try and live to the better version of ourselves. What does it say? I like, used to be a fiend for it, mate. I used to be. I, I could have the best friendships in the world, and someone destroyed. does one fucking thing wrong, and I'm like, "You're dead to me." Yeah, it's. Yeah, you know, I brushed a good mate once because he didn't invite me to his birthday party because none of his other mates liked me because I was a fuckwit. I'm like, "You're my best friend in the whole world. I'm never going to talk to you again." Yeah, but you know, but but what is best friends meant to be doing? Well, he should have rang me instead of text messaged me. But apart from well, he that, should have rang and said, oh, my apart from that, he was one hundred percent. No, apart from that, he's one hundred percent right. You know. Yeah. So there's um, the lesson learned. Yeah, we, we we're speaking again now. It took ten years, but um, again, that's that's a me. But but that's a growth thing. But also, Kim, you you don't you don't sugarcoat anything, right? And we've had this conversation podcasts and podcasts ago. That you don't sugarcoat inf- sugarcoat information. So if anyone's out there that wants to call Cam and get some information, <laughs> seriously, and, and some help, you, you, you don't, mate. You don't sugarcoat things no. and give them the nice, easy way out for people. But there are ways of there are ways, of, and sometimes places where it should be sugarcoated, not to the detriment of the message. And it's something I'm working with the big fella on at the moment. Eloquently enhanced. Maybe you speak to the speak with kindness. Walk That's with right. Speak to the reader. She might be able to help you with that. Diplomatic words, oh, respectful. What do you mean by about don't drink so much, baby? Oh, right. No, there's a line that I've taught uh, Speak with one of my first well. trainers and I, I, I shared with um, my mate Cam here and I said, you know, sometimes we just need to give up the need to be right for the sake of the need to be nice. I think that that's something that if we all did, we probably will would foster a better place. There are people who are opening their mouth and all that they want to do is just to be right. There are people that open their mouth and all that they do is has to be stirring the shit out of the, the environment they around or people around them. It never hit them that maybe it would be nice to go for making the place a better place, to uplift it. And I always say that in the end, you know, we talk it karma, I don't call it karma. Their world, their place is a shit place to be where they go from happiness like moments, fleeting moments of happiness where maybe family gatherings bring a little bit of happiness to another moment, not permanent happiness. And I think that truly true happiness, whether you are working during COVID time or whether you've been laid off, true happiness actually does not have to rely on the external world. It is does not have to rely on family gatherings or fleeting moments of happiness. True happiness Happens no matter the condition. I notice you take a lot of notes. What what, what are you doing, Rita? Are you sending it to the police? She's folding a page no, in half, so she's not wasting trees. I'm very reflective, so I like to go back and read notes. Oh, yeah. see? That, so I, I, guess I like what you're doing. I guess it's not a case of sugarcoating, Chris. So it's gift wrapping that could be done better. I look back on some of our conversations. There's things where I didn't... like. 
I, I could have said it different. I never yeah, wanted you know, the point. Mate, uh, you know what? The point to change. You know, but never. you know, in saying that though, for me, and I've, I'm slow on the uptake, and I always say this: sometimes a message needs to be pounded in with a baseball bat, right? For me to get the message. And yeah. some of the conversations we've had are some of the best conversations, most valuable, not the best, most valuable I've had, because the information inside that message was what I needed to fucking hear. But you've also said you've walked away and gone, why the fuck would he say that? And but I've analysed a couple, it. Yeah, but you've spent a couple of weeks dwelling on it, where if I could have said it differently. You maybe wouldn't have spoke but, three weeks in denial. But is that you or is that me? Well, it's a mixture of both. Okay, but regardless, the message got through. If my job and that's is, what I see, if mate. If my job is to give advice or convey a message depending on the type of conversation, if that advice leaves someone so, hugging themselves in a corner for four <laughs> weeks instead of getting that message across, yeah. then there's a little bit of column A and column B. Column A, I've said it wrong. Column yeah. B, you've taken it wrong. I didn't take. I think I don't think I take. I, I took any of anything wrong. I think it was along the lines of, okay, there's a message in there. What what is it that I'm missing, or why would have you said it that way? And it's not for the sake of what, uh, so how you said it. It's of what you said. Yeah. I'm trying to extract that message, the true message. I think some people who took it the wrong way and then curl themselves up in the corner, they're not ready for the message. They're not those sometimes critical I, thinkers that we're talking about. Sometimes, saying, or I've said it wrong. I, I, we can admit that things. When I'm fuck up, I'm used to being told I've fucked up. Yeah. So to me, if someone's fucked up or I think someone's yeah, yeah. fucking up, yeah. I say, mate, you're fucked up. Yeah. It's been a very long, painful lesson that you can't just tell people they're fucked up, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a shit way to go. It's I don't agree nanny, with it. We're living in nanny state and all that sort with of stuff. Absolutely. I don't agree with it, but it's yeah. also something that from you know, the stories I hear about TL in younger days to TL now, you've had to learn too that you can't just tell everyone they're fucked up. I still fucking tell them. Yeah, you still tell them, but... <laughs> How you tell them? And if, if I literally <laughs> say, "You're fucked up." There's, there's got to be another word in there somewhere. Last weekend, you were privy to seeing like someone yeah. disrespecting my house, and I fucking just yeah. I loved it. Do what I do. I we don't. had that conversation afterwards. I was like, oh my I, don't, God. I, so I hope that wasn't me, Thomas. I know. I know. I have no restraint about that because that is authentic me. Yeah. If you, if I went to your place and you had some certain rules, I would respect the rules of the house. Yeah. You know, and. Me, mates, friends, wh whoever it is. If if you come to uh, to my place, there are some rules. You don't yeah. respect it. I'll fucking get into you. That's yep. <laughs> that's how I am. You don't like it. Well, it's too bad. But in your own house, you can do that. And in your own house, the consequences. But that's what I said, that. isn't it? It's yeah, when I go to someone's place, I, I, I follow that's the rules oh, no, of you, the house. Yeah, but you follow the rules of the house. So, but in our offices or in our businesses, it's the rules of the house. Yes, your house. but you still can't convey the rules you the can. way you can in your own house. You can't. No, you can, but it's about the words. Uh, I cannot. No, that's what I'm saying. So you it's can't about convey the, it the same word. way. It is. Well, you can. It's about the choice of the so words. Can, but that's not conveying in the same way. Me saying, fucking told you not to wear shoes on the carpet. Now there's mud everywhere. Fucking blah, blah, blah is different to, oh, next time could you please um, possibly, if it doesn't hurt your feelings, just, you know, maybe. Oh, oh and if you and don't. There'll be this consequence. That's or there's so a broom and cloth and bucket. Go and clean your mess up. Sometimes in our in a business sense and in a, yep. in a in the relationship between employer and employee, you feel like you're in that position where you can't tell someone not to put wear their shoes. Yeah, on but the that's carpet. not. A, we were not just talking about employee or anything. And I think Life you know, general, we, yeah. even if it is employee, I. I, I would rather an employee just leave than hang around like a bad smell because they have bad values. And if a friend of mine was being disrespectful in my house, I was I would expect that the friend of mine would come and apologize. Mm. That's how that's how I, I, I believe. 
If you've yeah. done something wrong, think about this Does and and yet? then make the make the thing. You make the time. If I was at your house like around Christmas and I had wronged you and I knew that I wronged you, I would do that. I, and I think that this is what people have to be doing. I would like to ask you, what if now some people were listening and working for a call and decided to call you and apologize for what they've done? What, what would you do from here on? I mean, how, which basket do they go into? Is there a third basket being created, which is a first basket, the, the right people who did the right things at the first time? Are they meaningful? Meaningful or, roster. Meaningful roster, yes. But do, do you have a, a, a not-so-meaningful roster for the second group, <laughs> the people who are... <laughs> They're people that, you know, the they, they, well they've roster. gone above and beyond, well. haven't they? They've gone above and beyond yeah. to move yeah. from where they were to a new place. I like And it. yes, you're right. You do need to look at them with new eyes. But what basket do they go into? And because you know, if trust is broken or... Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised that through this, Cam, we will have people that will call and say, you know what, in hindsight, I should have taken that job. But Rita, at the time... This is what I was going through in my family and I want to just explain that to you. Uh, and I know beautiful. I'm an optimist, Cam, when I say this. She's a beautiful <laughs> There is a story behind every person and I know those conversations will come. Yeah, but so I, I so know, that, that phone call happens the day after their welfare payments get cut off. <laughs> you know what? I've just had a realisation that I was wrong and I'm so, so sorry. Please take me back. Because I'm broke. And, and you know what I would be saying? As soon as a position becomes available, we will consider you, but right now there may not be one for you because you weren't on the meaningful roster back when I called you. And I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. and, and things do change, isn't it? I mean, one, one of the things is that Cameron is, in terms of empathy, is not very high. So I, I, <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't refer to Cameron. But, but really, oh. I know what you've gone through. And one of the reasons I actually had asked you to be on a podcast was not mainly because you are a head of HR at the core group, which is the one thing that Cameron sort of said, oh, you know, it would be great. For me, it was mainly because about in August or September last year, you were dealt with by a company you gave blood, soul and everything to in a way that is so disrespectful that in many ways you probably could have gone two ways. Either have your soul and yourself totally destroyed and lose total faith in the human spirit. But on the other hand, you did different. You actually rose like a phoenix and became actually uh, an, an even better HR now for the Accor group, correct? That's true, Thomas. I didn't would think this was going to come up today. <laughs> so would you like, uh, listen, I always have set up kind of questions <laughs> and uh, that's why I don't ask all the questions I'm going to ask, but things happen. And would you like to share with us about your transition about you now as an employee? It's not COVID, but you might as well have gone through COVID really, have gone through and giving everything to a company that actually turned around and did a very snaky thing. But instead of you going through, I don't trust anyone anymore in life, I don't want to see the goodness in people anymore, to actually you rising. Oh, I, I have to thank, you know, my beautiful husband, first of all, who yes. loves me and my family. <laughs> but you know what, Thomas, Shut I think up. it comes down to all of that personal work that you do on yourself, waiting for that critical day when you have to pick yourself up brush yourself off yes. and say, you're going to be okay. Yep. It's all going to be absolutely fine. And you know what I did? I put together a routine. I was going to look after my family, my main goal. 
look after my health and fitness right. and get back on the bandwagon and find my next career move. And that's what I did. I put a structure together and every day, Chris knows, I lived by the structure. Drove the kids to school, went to the beach, ran for an hour, bought great healthy food and went online and looked for that job and rang and made phone calls after right. phone calls after phone calls and relied on the people that loved you. And you have to forgive. You have to forgive and see it for what it is. The right. reality is the business makes a business decision. And I have seen so many of them in my career being in HR. But when it hits you and it comes to you, you can. You're right. You can take the wrong road. Yeah. And you can say to yourself, that's it. I'm done. I'm not trusting. I'm not. But I'm I not going to ask you who it is, but who's that fucker? I am not. <laughs> I'm not going to go to that road. What I will say to you today yeah. is that I have learned a valuable lesson going through that process and I know how to pick myself up. So what is the lesson? And how to move forward. Eat steak. <laughs> what is the lesson? It's focusing on your values and your goals. So are you saying Again, to me that you work so hard and you gave 100% to a company that you did not know, did not embrace your values? True. Wow. In the end. But you've got to move forward. You've got to shut that chapter, close it, go through the awareness and the feelings because right. I, was, I was cut. I was absolutely at my lowest point. Yes. Absolutely cut. You have to go through and feel those emotions. Mm. And then there's a point where you have to say, right, yeah. what's next? How do I close that chapter, learn the lessons and move forward? Because I've got a lot to live for, a wow. lot of love, a great family and a great career ahead. So I've just got to find that next move. Yes, yes. yes. You, be, you, you came out like so much, so much stronger. I think that the company that did that to you, the person who was responsible for doing that, ought to be fired because they obviously not only are not espousing the values, but they have lost a person that was way more valuable uh, than themselves. But what would be some of the lessons that you would say you learned from that episode? You know, I, I keep going back and saying to myself, what would I have done differently if I could go back and do it again? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I had such passion. But what about the lesson? Connection with people. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's no blood. There's no bad blood. You can't have. You can't no, hold me, me, on there to won't ba any bad blood. You anymore, can't hold on to bad blood. That's only going to make me sick, yeah. and it's going to manifest with my family. Yeah. Right, and the people I love. It's not going to hurt anyone. So you've got to release all of that. And I think the lesson is, get ready for the next challenge because there will be another one. And guess what? You'll be stronger, fitter, and fighting coming out of That's that next so challenge. Nice. And here's COVID. And here I am. None of us thought we'd be going through COVID. And when I sit and think of COVID, I think, hey, I've gone through tough shit. I just went through it last year. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good for this. I'm good for this next challenge. Yeah. You know? And for me, it is about people and my family. Connect even stronger. Learn even more from people. And just huddle. Huddle with people. Because those people that really value you and love you will be yes, there. Yeah. They'll be there. At its, at its most base point, it's another universal law of fight or flight. You've chosen to fight but in the most gentle, forgiving, loving way possible. Like T.L. saying he'd kill him. you're on the opposite end of that spectrum. But and, and you know what? It's come from great grounding. I think when you know yourself and you accept yourself and you love yourself, you're going to go there. You're going to feel the pain and you're going to pick yourself up 
and keep moving forward. Well, the other option's not acceptable. That's the point of it. The other option, flight, is never the, the right answer. It doesn't matter what shit that happens, you only have two responses. And fight can fall into many different categories. There's levels of fight. It doesn't have to be an angry term or a combative yeah. term, but yeah. you fight, otherwise you... You know, I'll, I'll share something a little bit out of school here, or actually really uh, in husband, school. Husband, by the way, husband. Um, <laughs> so when that happened, Rita was giving a lot of hours into the business, working at home. She'd come home at six, uh, would do the family thing, nine, ten o'clock at night, back onto working till one in the morning, back so, up back to work at six o'clock and she was doing that often and uh she, she walks in and people to speak frankly she was made redundant after she had made quite a few people in that business redundant so my first instinct was fuck them <laughs> take them for what get whatever you can Reda was like leave her with me so i left her with her i trust her implicitly so she did and it all calmed calmed down and she went and sent i don't know how many job applications out from that time how many was it before you got this one? 29. Right, 29 job applications. <laughs> I didn't and see it come across my desk. <laughs> and she Do you got have this a job, job for me? <laughs> now, now the, the people that, the company that stood her down or who made her redundant at that time has now basically sacked all their staff. Uh, they've got skeleton staff and they're all asking because it's a quite quite a, uh, a, a close-knit community. People talk within those businesses and they're... Well, how's Rita? Well, Rita's fine. Uh, which, which, which is good. And, and, the, and now that there's no more international student, they're probably going to go broke. And, right, and that's, that's right. great for them because that's karma for your right. shit, your little piece of shit company that does not know how to look after your own people. You do not deserve international student. I mean, I don't know which company that is. I just, <laughs> just want to say it. You do not deserve that shit. But <laughs> it's forgive, only... Thomas, forgive, move on. No, fight. no, no. I, I think you... That's karma. It is karma. I, I, I believe in this, right? God gave us two ears, two eyes, every, every, two oh, arms. doesn't believe two, in the universe. Two, but I forgive twice, third time you kill. Because <laughs> God would have given you more ears, more arms if, if there was more. It's just two. Right, so sometimes she sounds like the bloke the on the door of Noah's Ark. He means two, you idiots, not three. <laughs> he two. means two dozen, darling. Two dozen times you have to forgive. Two dozen, all right? Don't listen to him. It's two dozen. Uh, listen, you've been a very good guest. I, I'd love to have you back because I think that there's a lot of other issues that we'd like to go through with you, and and, and I think you're bringing a lot of intelligence to our discussion. <laughs> For the first time, I, was, I wasn't. I was only looking at you. I was not even talking about you. <laughs> but. So why don't you just <sighs> close today's podcast? Wow. What would oh, you say you. to close today's podcast? Well, I want to thank the three of you. It's been a pleasure sitting here and, and being in your presence. And to close the podcast, what I do want to say is it is a long journey. Our, our lives are a long journey. And coming through COVID, Cam, what you said, you know, one of the things you said, you do go back to basics and have to get to know who you are, right? And and that to me is probably one of the most profound things that we need to focus on. It's who we are as people. And when we've developed a level of strength with our soul, as you've said, Thomas, you've really got to know your soul, then you've got you've got a foundation there. You've got a foundation there and you're going to come out of this okay. It's going to be fine. Very nice. When we look at our people, the people we work with, the people, our family, we're coming back down to basics. Yeah. Right? Love, connection and relationships. And yep. again, isn't that the foundation of who we are? 
Nice. Whether it's in the workplace or at home. So key. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful. Thank you so much for being around. And I agree with you. Every single time I look at Cam, I go back to the basics. <laughs> <laughs> Caveman, basics. <laughs> thank you very much very for closing. Good. Boys, Rita, <laughs> thank you so much for today. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, 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 Thank you. Bye.